Hey. Hey, we're in. Look at you with your schnazzy Joe Phelan Dude, style backdrop. I went and got a new chair. Hold on a second. I can barely hear you now. You can barely hear me now? Oh, now you're good. Now you're good. Yeah. Um, I also bought one of these. I don't know why I thought I could do like a multicam thing that's not going to work, so I'm going to send this to you if you want it. Okay. I mean, what what is it? It's just a camera. Autofocus. All right. I mean, if you're not going to test it or I, try it or whatever. I played with it earlier. I'm not going to use it. So. Oh, look at the background now. Look at this. Smitty's been busy. Boy, I've been, I've been working. So I've actually got my gimbal and everything set up. Uh, so I was going to do a few minutes of live. Ryan Cox, yes. Whoa. Whoa. It cracks me up that they could all hear us while we were doing the intro thing. I have no idea what I'm doing. This is all like, yeah, you missed the chimp. I, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of disappointed that Smitty looks super duper professional. Like He's got like the Tim Pool hat thing going on, the glasses, the, the monitors. He's got a real backdrop and like a boom stand. And I'm literally sitting in my underwear on my patio wearing a Rick and Morty t-shirt. Like, it's me. This is me. What's up, Steve? What's up, Ash? Mike? Ryan? Michael? Jeff? Sean? Everyone's in this tonight. All right, so let me figure out if I can do this Instagram live. Uh, how do I do this? Oh, IGTV? Is that it, maybe? Perhaps? I don't know. IGTV. Okay. Sorry. I'm back. How do you do an Instagram live video? Uh, it's under stories, Boomer. Story. I will... Oh, look, there it is. Live. Oh, you got the lighter? I did get the lighter. Everyone oh, in the group so ready for saw that. this. Students of the Serpent, Brothers of the Leaf. I got the torch insert. Um, round one is a Drew Estate Underground Shady XX, which is basically just like a special edition size for M&M and like Aftermath or something like that for a 20-year celebration thing. Um, I don't believe the blend's any different than a regular Underground, but I'm about to smoke it and see what it's all about. I need to adjust my volume on my computer because you're very quiet to me. Am I any quieter now? No, that's way better. Okay. I up my gain. Okay. I'll up my volume, too. Oh, there you go. That's what I want to hear. There you go. I, I, I can't. It's not my... So, basically, I can either hear you or hear myself, but I'm not going to be able to hear both at the same time. I need to figure it out on this mixer how to make that work. Right. So, right now, I can't hear myself. I can only hear you, and I have Spotify playing, um, but I can't monitor myself, so I have no idea how loud or quiet I am, so... Well, you sound champion. Thank you. And now, for anyone who wants to watch it on their phone, I just started Instagram Live on my phone on the knobtails.ig Instagram page. And it's really weird. It's freaking me out because I got two things watching me. And there you go, Dominique. Now I can see you two different ways. Creepy. He's smoking something from that sampler, buddy. Oh, yes. So... I received my Snakes and Stogies Facebook group exclusive monthly sampler the month of December. And the first one that jumped up and slapped me in the face was the LFD 
Avocado. There's Billy. Yeah, boy, that, that, that sucker will knock your socks off. That's it. I'm ready for it. I am ready for it. Cox, I'm not turning off Spotify. I like having it in the bed. I've got a couple of backups. Cox, you know you love this hat. That was the only thing I bought on Black Friday. I didn't have a chance to do Cyber Monday or Black Friday today because I work retail. And Arsenal sent me an email saying, we have stuff on sale. Spend money with us. And uh, I was like, ooh, that hat. I think I will. So I actually have like an itinerary for this evening. Really? This is like professional. I've hell. got I've got two things. Jeff and Kendra spend no expense. Maybe three. Um, They're like John Hammond. Well, first of all, I'll go, ahead and, I'll go ahead and say the background and all that stuff. Amazon has a thing right now where if you apply and get approved for a credit card, you get a hundred fifty dollar gift card in your account, whether you're really? going to use the card or not. So I was like. Look at that. So I went ahead. I bought the background. I bought the uh, the whole little uh, stand thing. Um, and then I bought this. Once again, don't know why. That was stupid, but it's yours now. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> and so basically, like, all this stuff was not only for Snakes and Stogies, but I'm also going to be doing some work with uh, Repticart, uh, which is part of Reptiles Express and right. Repticon. So I had to kind of up the production value and uh, and sort of – Get a little more serious about it. I had to get a better chair because my other chair was super old. So Nice. I love it. To the season for upgrades. Yes. I'm with it. And for those of you watching on Instagram Live, if there's any kind of like double noise or feedback or whatever, please comment and I'll turn, mute this thing or something. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Yeah. It's but, a night of experimentation. So my, my birthday is Thursday. And, right. Uh... Of course, my parents like raided my closet upstairs where I used to live, and <laughs> this giant binder of stuff from circa 2005 to 2007. Oh my god, look at it. This is a care sheet I wrote on Amazon Trebo by hand. The whole binder? No, 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 no. Oh, no, dude, it's, it's like the Dead Sea Scrolls. Look the, at that. The, the binder's all like printed out websites and stuff. Like I have pretty much the entire World of Atheris website printed out. Nice. Um, Good, because that's, that's gone now, isn't it? It is. Shame. Well, that just gives you foresight to do it. But I figured I have also from the uh, Southeastern Hot Herb Society, which is no nice. longer a thing, uh, they had an article on being bit by a sedge viper. Oh, really? Like a bite report from a Atheris Nishii. Very uh, cool. So I figured I would read that if people wanted me to. Most definitely. It's five. Well, no. The actual article itself is three pages, and there's a bunch of comments. Uh, You're going to have to get a little closer to the mic now. That I guess don't matter. Yeah, this one I got to yeah. really like be up on it. So um, figured we'd start with that. And then I had this this new thing that I thought of. Well, I didn't think of it, actually. I saw it. Uh, Gary V did a video recently, and I really liked the idea, so I stole it. Um, calling it Over Under. Basically, I'm going to rattle off... Uh, uh, list of things, and Phil, you're going to tell me if they're under or overrated or right where they should be. Okay. So. <clears throat> but I guess usual sort of what's new, what's happening sort of stuff. How's the week been? My week has been hectic but productive. And that's what I like. That's what I like the week before Christmas to be. 
and uh, got a lot of work done. Been crazy at my work. People got to do stocking stuffers. You know what that's like. And uh, yeah, but I'm here. I had a, a, my company does poker night, right? We bought a table. Mm -hmm. We move a bunch of stuff in the store and basically just have all the staff come in and, excuse me, my employer usually gets like barbecue or wings or something for everybody. We bring a bunch of booze and we just play poker. And it's usually not for any money. Um, every once in a while, a couple of guys will be like, oh, really? You want to do this? And uh, my employer will usually throw a hundred bucks here, a hundred bucks there. And uh, he may even, like, you know, whoever wins the next hand gets a paid day off or something. You know, we just have fun with it. He's a good egg. And uh, we filled that store with so much Gurkha smoke that the next day when the guys came in for the next shift to open up, there was like a cloud on the top of the store. Yep. <laughs> it was awesome. Gets, gets pretty foggy. Yeah. And you get a lot of people inside smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, so, how do you want to kick this? Uh, Mr. Iper's going to be joining us this evening? At some point, yes. I sent him the link. Excellent. Um, I don't know when. So. Okay. That's fine. We'll chime in when he's ready. But I will get into this bitten by a sedge viper. Yeah, I can see Randy's chomping at the bit. Yeah. Um, so... Nishii is like one of my favorite snakes of all time. They're just so cool. They're freaking awesome looking. They're freaking wicked awesome. Freaking uh, wicked, wicked awesome. This was written by Micah Stansill on August 28th, 2000. Wow. Okay. Um, Do we know uh, what country Michael lives in? I think, it's, it, it, I think it was the States. Okay. So, let's see. And... Sometimes I struggle when I read out loud. I might be dyslexic. I don't know. So, pardon. I am. You probably are. Uh, so, due to the seriousness of mistakes within our chosen avocation, it is probably wise to discuss mistakes when they do happen. For me, the mistake came very shortly after I began keeping venomous reptiles. It was only a little over two years into the venomous hobby when I was bitten on the thumb by a sedge viper, Atherus nishii. I was young and inexperienced, and everything I knew about hots I learned on my own. I didn't know any other hot keepers, so I just jumped in head first and took my chances. That was my first mistake. You should always find and work with an experienced keeper before getting your first venomous animal. Uh, I had gotten way too comfortable handling my snakes in those two short years, and I must, and I must depend and picked up venomous a venomous snake every day. To be honest, at the time, it was just to hold the snake and get a rush. That was my second mistake. I let yeah. good judgment take a backseat to pointless, dangerous activity. You should never pin and handle a venomous animal unless you absolutely have to. Don't let your bravado get the best of you. Always use a shift box when cleaning cages, and if you need to treat or probe a venomous animal, use tubes or foam to secure them. Which just reminds me to add something to the list. It's actually very well written and very well put. Okay. <clears throat> hey, my dad's here. He said, "Hey, Phil." I know. So I went. Say, I say went. How to, oh, I, you did. I was reading. Sorry. You were. You were, you were being professional. Fine. All right. Let's get into the nitty gritty. All right. I was cleaning out cages one afternoon when I learned what was to be a very painful lesson. The first cage I cleaned was that of a large sedge viper, around two and a half to three feet in length. Wow. I took a bag and two. That is a big. That's big yeah. for any bush that's viper, dude. Big set. Yeah. Oof. Um, 
I took a large bag and two clamps out and clamped the bag to the counter. I then took the snake out, placed her on the floor, and pinned her the way I had done many times. I picked her up and picked her up behind her head with the, my right hand and by the tail with my left. I carried her over to the bag, placed the tail in first, then held the bag open with my left hand as I dropped the snake in the bag. When I dropped the snake, I made the mistake of holding onto the bag instead of letting go. She caught herself on the edge of the bag with her prehensile tail and in one fluid motion shot straight out, up and out, and bit me on my left thumb. I didn't feel any pain for the bite, but I knew it had happened. (sighs) That's how it happened all so often. Yep. Yeah, there's very, very few species you can do that and get away with. And that I would definitely not do that. <laughs> I wouldn't pin atherism unless desperately in need of medical assistance, you know. But go on, please. In disbelief, I looked down to see two fang marks and a couple of drops of blood. I quickly hooked the viper and put her back in her cage. Knowing the seriousness of the situation, I quickly headed back inside my house to tell my wife what had happened, and then I needed her to drive me to the hospital. She was in the middle of giving our little girl a bath and asked if it could wait until she was through. I kind of laughed and said, no, we have to go now. It was only about a 15-minute drive, but it seemed like forever. About halfway to the hospital, my hand began to feel as if it were on fire. Can I pause you right there? Yes. So, I don't mean to interject. Thank you, Brendan. That is something that all too many venomous keepers neglect to remember, and that is to inform your spouse, your significant other, your roommate, man, woman, child, whatever it may be, that in the event of a bite or an envenomation, there needs to be some kind of protocol. And I don't mean protocol like the bite protocol of what you're going to give the doctor or the nurses or whomever, paramedics. I mean, your significant other, your roommate needs to know what could happen to you in the time it takes you to get from your home to the hospital. You know, are you, and it's species specific. Are you going to black out? What happens if you have an allergic reaction? All these different things. And uh, if you're unable to speak, there needs to be some kind of checklist or some kind of notation to provide that person. So just a thought for you guys who keep venomous at home, tell your wife. Make sure they're aware of what is in the house. Make sure they know what's going on so they don't say, oh, bath time is only five more minutes. Well, no. I mean, even at that point, if you get bit and say you have like a really bad reaction and you go unconscious and now they walk into a room and you're on the floor and they don't know what's going on. They don't know if you just had a stroke, a heart attack, whatever. Um, yeah, hey, but we should, we should do this regularly. We should do like bite reports of the week. I would love that. That would be sweet. I love reading bite reports, whether it's tarantulas, scorpions, uh, there's actually a sting report, but it's funny you bring this up because I've got three different people this week alone informed me of three different British rhinoceros bites this month. Really? Three different wow. people, three different bites. And to my best of my knowledge, it was all North American keepers. Hmm. So, that being said, please uh, continue with the uh, ECI. All right. When I arrived at the hospital, I told the nurse through my clenched teeth what had happened, and she took me straight back. I had a packet of information already assembled with a scientific and common names, a picture of the snake, its origin, and who to contact on how to treat the bite. The doctor just looked at the picture and said, pretty snake. Wow. That's it. He didn't even take any information from the packet and therefore didn't know how to treat the bite. By the time he returned, they had hooked me up to an EKG and blood pressure monitor to keep an eye on my vital signs. The swelling was well past my wrist and the pain was excruciating. Another valid point. Some doctors are assholes. 
whether oh, you yeah. have a byte protocol or not, or whether you give them information that's packaged up in a bow and says, here's how, how you need to do your job. Like, you don't have to do any research. This is it. This is legit. Yep. It's not always going to work that way. It's not always going to be fluid. Um, some doctors refuse to put their ego aside and do what's best for the patient. Um, right. Side note. Uh, at this point, the doctor decided to cut and suck the bite, even though I told him the treatment was obsolete. And besides wow. that, it had been too long after the bite to do any good. He also decided to give me some antivenom at this time. I told him there was no antivenom for atheris, and yet that the crotalid uh, antivenom wouldn't work. He just smiled and said, yes, it will. It works for all snake bites. Wow. If I were bit, I would be pretty freaked out by this point. Like, I would be... Yeah. I would be pretty uh pretty that's upset. crazy man now granted this is 20 years ago 21 still, years ago you know that's crazy man that is ridiculous because that is still like new millennium we know what yeah um, yeah yeah <clears throat> he goes on to say i guess i was too young to know that i could have and should have refused the antivenin at this point so i ended up letting him treat me the way he wanted to Whoa. after all he was a doctor right but this brings up another point. Don't assume that all emergency room doctors know how to treat snake bites, especially from exotic species. Unless your doctor has spent time with the Peace Corps in Africa, chances are he's never even heard of a sedge viper. A point that I've brought up a lot. Doctors don't know what half these species are. Yep. Actually, more than half. 95% of the species. That's true. Very true. They don't even know what's in North America and they live here. Uh, well, by the time he finished cutting and suctioning the bite site, they had pumped 11 vials of Wyeth uh, crotalid polyvalent antivenom into my body, and yet oh, the yeah. swelling was past my elbow, and I was blacking out from the pain. As they were taking me to my hospital room from the ER, I lost consciousness. After four hours, I woke to a discover, much to my dismay, that the swelling was past my shoulder and into my chest. The pain, fortunately, had subsided due to the morphine drip. But this was really the least of my concerns at this point. Also, my hand was so swollen that my fingers were spaced out as far as they could go, but they still touched each other. The hospital called in a hand surgeon, but when he arrived, he wasn't very eager to cut on me. He said that as long as the swelling didn't cut off the blood flow to my fingertips, he wasn't going to cut to relieve the pressure. The technical term for this is a fasciotomy. And in reality, they are performed way too often with hematoxic snake bites. So that was a good call because fasciotomies are... Very, very good call. A no-no. Yeah, that's some butcher shit. Uh, I was talking with my hand surgeon when the real fun started. This is when I found out that the venom had inhibited my blood's ability to clot. The doctors felt that my platelets had dropped too low and that I needed a blood transfusion. I thank God when they tested my blood once more, just before they took me out for the transfusion and discovered that my platelets had come up just enough to avoid one. Uh, blood transfusions are often needed with severe hematoxic envenomations. I wasn't in the clear, though. I was still technically a hemophiliac. My blood was very thin, and the doctors were worried that I could start bleeding internally. I couldn't even get out of bed because they were scared I might fall or bump into a table and bleed to death. Yeah. And I suppose that it was actually a likely scenario. After being in the hospital for over a week, I finally talked them into letting me go home. By this time, most of the swelling in my hand had gone down, and all the swelling was out of my arm. My hand did have a little stiffness and a few blood blisters, but it was much better. After two weeks and multiple trips to a hematologist, my blood returned to normal. Fortunately, the only lasting effect from the bite was a totally stiff joint on my left thumb due to the tissue destruction of the ligament. Wow. Uh, 
If you keep or are thinking about keeping venomous snakes, please understand that you can never, which is underlined, be too careful. Many bites result in permanent injuries and are occasionally even fatal. A large percentage of these accidents can be avoided with proper handling techniques and equipment, but if the lasting physical effects of my bite and brush with death aren't enough to keep you from being careless, maybe it will interest you to know that my total hospital bill was $25,000. Though my insurance covered 80%, that left me with a $5,000 debt that I'm still paying on. Heard enough. I thought so. He got off easy, man. He did. Yeah. That is that's cheap. That is cheap. Very children. cheap. Wow. So, so eleven vials of crotalid, and it didn't, it didn't mess him up. I I don't know. I mean, I that could have that could have I guess contributed to some of the <laughs> swelling and the you know the yeah other yeah. issues, but. I don't know. Wow. See, like, I know a guy who got bit by a Bothrops, and due to him keeping it illegally, uh, he informed them it was an Eastern Diamondback, and they gave him Crofab, and it worked, just coincidentally. However, he suffered a massive blood infection, and they were going to amputate his hand, and he actually broke out of the hospital on his own and went to a hand surgeon like 20, like 20 minutes down the road in his hospital gown. And they wound up just doing a little, little on his finger, and he's good. But still, I mean, don't lie, people. Your, your odds are better with your hand with crowfab or your life. Bothrop spite than an Athrus bite. Oh man! Um, yeah, Ryan Cox says eleven vials, of, and it was only five gram. That's pretty good. I mean, I have a, a, a fairly good friend of mine. Who <laughs> one of my closest snake friends, and he had an accident, and uh, he got a lot of crowfab, and his bill was I think two hundred and fifty k, but luckily with insurance, I think he only had to pay like. I've heard k. of up to like half a mil. Oh yeah, from like oh, yeah. Eastern Diamondback bites. Mm-hmm. Which is just it's a it's an asinine. I mean, it goes down. It comes down to the price of the antivenom through the hospital. That's just what it is. You know, they have to mark stuff up. They have to break the insurance company. But I'm really glad that you read that, man. That's actually a fantastic story. On a couple uh, different levels, you know. What's up, Andy? And then someone piped up and said, "I must say, this is the first article I've read on this site so far that it was a legitimate accident, not a stupid mistake." It's like, was it a legitimate accident? I don't know. It was uh, it was not you, a. You be the judge. I'll call that. It wasn't a deliberate mistake. Yeah, he wasn't twirling the viper through his fingers, but at the same time, had he not been pinning it, and had he not, and had he had appropriate training, he wouldn't have done that to begin with. You know, it wouldn't have been. But, but yeah, that's crazy story. I'm glad it panned out for him in the end. Sincerely. This is a squam bite from PubMed. I printed it in 2005, but this is actually from 1998. Um, okay. This one is short. It says a 34 year old male bitten by an adult Athra squamagera. 
develop symptoms of nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, which were followed by drowsiness and impaired breathing, local hemorrhage, edema, and pain at the bites that occurred, but no system, no systemic bleeding or hemorrhagic diathesis developed. All clinical and laboratory parameters were in the normal range except for uh, a fibrinogenemia, uh, thrombocytopenia, and slight proteinuria which i proteinuria which i think is like your pee is like dark yeah I'm not a doctor the first one is a, a, a unrhythmic heart right uh maybe i'm pretty sure the first one's like your heart skipping a beat like it's not it's not insane um replacement therapy uh, replacement therapy and treatment of shock stabilized the patient within 2 days and coagulation returned to normal um, squamagera venom is subjected to biochemical and biological analysis. The LD50 of the venom, which doesn't really mean a whole lot, um, was 5 milligrams per kilogram of mice subcutaneously. Uh, it produced local hemorrhage corresponding to about 25% of the activity of puff adder venom. In vitro, the venom had a fibrinogen-converting activity. It did not activate purified prothrombin, but likely contained a VF and some sort of calcium ion-dependent prothrombin activator. It's above my bigger. Yeah, a little bit. The venom exhibited strong platelet-aggregating activity, so... uh, which is not yeah, inhibited by good. protease inhibitors. Uh, the venom also aggregated acetylsalicylic. I don't... Jesus. Andy, what the hell is he saying? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, that's... It was just one page, but... Now people know how it's a lot. I am and how I can't it's read. It's a lot, man. I can't read, but I it just goes to show you, it's like Justin always says, that famous Mike Tyson quote, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. You know? Yeah. I, uh, like I said, it'd be cool to find find more like i know there's a lot of tarantula bites and scorpion stings and stuff that are pretty interesting reads too so yeah no we'll definitely we should definitely do at least at least a couple of months you know i think it'd be great for the community tell some fun tell some bite of the week fun, I don't tell know. Interesting stories <laughs> i love reading that stuff because i love yeah. i love like seeing sort of like you get a first-hand account of like what happens and absolutely absolutely well, I'm actually going to kill the Instagram live feed. So for those of you who watched and listened to Justin's awesome story, thank you for doing so. You can hop on. Uh, what are we on? We're on YouTube and Facebook now. No more Twitch? Yes. No, Twitch is up there. But Twitch is up there? Okay, it's so kind of up there just for the sake of being there. Right. YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch live as well as after the fact on YouTube. And Facebook, even if we don't repost it, right? It's going to be there regardless. Okay. It gets like, saved. Check it out. Go jump on because yes. I'm not turning this off. We're just turning this off. That's off. Goodbye. No, man. I love Atheris. I love Bush Vipers. But I feel like 
they get written off. Especially squams. Right, of course. They're not that serious. It's like if well, they were yeah. the size of a puff, they would be very serious. Like they, I mean, they are serious, but imagine if they were twice the size that they actually are. And right. people would oh, probably take them much more seriously. Most definitely. I'm trying to get this Instagram. Struggling? Yeah, I honestly am. Because it's on the gimbal, so like every time I touch it, it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> you have to be quicker than that. Right? And I'm fat fingering everything, which is no bueno. All right, that worked. Cool beans. The shady XX is good. What's that? It's a quick burn, man. I mean, it was like a robusto anyway. So I mean, this okay. is really only like the first third, but yeah. Oh, speaking of which, I th- I believe we've have we talked about like in depth cigar shop etiquette. No, but we can. I would. We kind of should. So, the reason why is there was a couple that came in the other night, and they brought in cigars that okay. they did not buy from the shop. Not even and one. to most, one. not well. I mean, they ended up buying some stuff, but they just walked in with like I don't even know. They look like Toscanos. Like I don't know what what they okay. were. They looked rustic. They were like something like Clint Eastwood. You know. I got you. You know what I mean. Old, rustic. Um, mm-hmm. So if you want to get yelled at in a cigar shop, that's a great thing to do, unless the shop has like a cut fee. In that case, they're like, yeah, you can bring your own cigars, but we're going to charge you $10 to smoke it, basically. Yeah. And basically, the reason for this is... It's the it's same rude. as... It's, it's the same as if you bring your own six-pack to a bar, you bring your own food to a restaurant... Like, you're there for what they have. Right. You could have easily gone to a park or anywhere else and smoked that cigar. Yes. And not to be rude, you don't have actual alcohol served there, correct? We have beer. You have beer. Okay, so... But, like, like liquor, because that's a different license in South Carolina that we don't have because you have to serve food. If people bring their own liquor, that's fine. Right. But now, if a guy came into your store and bought five or six beers but smoked one of his own sticks, would it still be bad? That would depend on who you ask. Like okay. in my like in my opinion, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't think like if as long as you spend some money. I mean, obviously, don't be that guy that's like, yeah, just give me a three dollar cutter. You know, yeah, we yeah. don't we don't do a cut fee. <clears throat> we should, but we don't. Right. And, but at the same time, it's not a problem we experience very often. Uh, and Ryan will come back to that. He said those T-52s and a 10 don't seem as good as regular T-52s. Which I, I, Big we, we will circle back yeah, to that yeah. because yeah. I hate tube cigars. Uh, tens, you mean? Not tubes. Tubes and tens. Okay, now we're really going to have a conversation. But let's go back to the etiquette, please. So, I mean, that's like one of the things. is like if you bring your own cigar, be prepared to pay a cut fee. 
my personal philosophy is if I'm going to another shop, I don't want to smoke what I already have. I don't want to smoke what I can get at home. I want to smoke something different that I haven't seen before, haven't had. Like, you're there to support the business. Right. Like, Raj gets super upset when people do it. I get irritated because it's like... It's uncouth. I pay my bills with this job. Yes. Like, and you're just like, by you coming in and doing that, it's like basically a big middle finger to me and the business and like my family. And I don't get super heated about it. It's just, it's, it's It's rude. Like I'm okay. If someone comes in and they have like two cigars with them, but then they go in the humidor and they buy like five, whatever. That's fine. Like just spend some money at the business. If you're going to a shop to hang out, Support that business and buy from them. Right. And some guys, their wives or their significant others don't want them to smoke at home because they don't like it. And they say, you know what? Go to the cigar bar and smoke theirs there. If, like you said, the guy buys a stick, it's better than him just walking in, buying a cutter and smoking his own stuff. I mean, I, I never understood this too. Is like when I go to the cigar bar or I go to a cigar shop, or let's say I'm hanging out with Smitty or I go to my local establishment, which is a full liquor bar. When I go there, I typically don't go without expecting to buy one stick to smoke there with my beverages that I'm going to buy, as well as three or four sticks to take home, because that's the whole point is I, I, I can, I'm smoking at home right now. You know what I mean? I have humidors full of cigars. Right. Like, technically, I don't need more, but I like to diversify my palate. I like to change things up, and I'm going to patron. I'm going to I'm going to give money to the, the local guy, you know? Because you know what happens is, I mean, especially given this year with the COVID and everything like that, shops are closing and then guys are complaining that they don't have anywhere to smoke. And it's like, well, you didn't exactly drop a ton of money to help keep that business afloat. Not that you need to drop a ton of money, but like I said, anything is better than nothing. Right. You know, like when when me on the honeymoon, when we went up to Asheville and we stopped in, um, it's a place called Boomer's. Uh, it's a it's a bar and it's right. a cigar lounge and it's totally worth checking out. If you're in Asheville, I highly suggest you check that out. It's probably the best. It's the only lounge in Asheville that I could find, first of all, and B compared to the Asheville shops that I stopped. Right? Huh? This is Asheville proper, right? Yeah. Okay. Like downtown Asheville. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way North Carolina is set up, you have to pay a membership fee, but he only charges a dollar for the year. Wow. Good for him. Well, that's the only that's how they get around it. Like yeah, but the still, government doesn't tell them how much their their membership has to be. There just has to be right. a membership. And so they just scan your driver's license, you give them a dollar, boom. Um and then Jeff asked what a good humidor is to get. We'll come back to that too. Let me write that down yeah. so I don't forget. <clears throat> and we'll <clears throat> and we still have to do the tin smokes too. Yes. For cops. Um so like bringing your own cigars is a big is kind of a it's is very frowned upon. Um the one thing that absolutely drives me batty is the ones, and I'm sure everyone's guilty of this, myself included, going into humidor, touching cigars, smelling them, squeezing them, rolling them. Popping the wrapper and sliding out just a little bit of it. Yep. And then that cellophane Ooh. never goes back or looks the same again. People can tell someone has finger fucked that cigar and they're just yep. going to sit in that box forever because no one's going to buy it because it's been tampered with. 100%. Or it appears to be tampered with. Um, it's it's 
if you were ever a toddler and you ever told, look, don't touch, look, don't touch. Yep. You can pick it up. You can read the band. My eyes are getting bad as I get older. I wear contacts. There's times when I look at an LFD and the writing is so tiny because they have two different bands. They have the LFD band and then the little the, the little banner band underneath it. And I'm like, what does that say? And I, I got to pick it up and look at it. I go, oh, okay. And then I'll put it back, you know? But at the same time, that's only if it's in a wrapper. If it is naked in the box, I will get close to the box, not breathing on it, you know, for COVID and everything, but I won't invade the box's personal space, so to speak. But I'm not gonna, just going to pick up and manhandle a naked smoke and then put it back because that's gross. See, and like it, that's one thing. But literally, like I see guys come in and they put it on their upper lip. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, that is horrible. Yeah. Like, especially there's a virus going around. Whether you think it's real or you think it isn't, it's still just not sanitary and it's gross. Yeah. And if you do that inside a walk-in humidor that's surrounded by a bunch of other cigars and the entire room smells like cigars, you're going to get nothing out of it. I'm going to know that you don't have a clue as to what you're doing. And I can guarantee you the first question you're going to ask me when you walk out of that humidor is, do you have any Cubans? Because that's a follow-up question that we get, and that instantly tells me you have no idea what you're doing. Right. Right. I so desperately want to put a sign on the humidor that says, look, don't touch if you need assistance. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I always tell people I would rather have people ask me. <clears throat> excuse me. I would rather have people ask me what they perceive to be a stupid question than do something incorrect. You'll never know if you don't ask. Just ask, man. And yeah, and I, I can understand why some people would be hesitant to because there are a lot of you know it is not uncommon for cigar shops to be kind of overwhelming and intimidating. And some of the staff um, can be a little elitist or a little snooty. We get that. But I that. guarantee you, if you come in and you are genuinely curious and you're not a dick to me, I am very good about making you feel comfortable and explaining everything to you that you want to know. Like, I don't have a problem with it. Uh, yeah, but when you're, when you're touching them and you're rolling them, especially when you're dealing with Connecticut and Cameroon wrappers, which Cameroons especially are notoriously delicate, it does not take, a mu- take much to crack a Cameroon wrapper. Yep. Uh, like that then breaks that product. Like it's cracked people who come in and want that cigar. If they're paying attention, they're going to see it and they're not going to buy it. And so then that's dead inventory. Uh, of course. You know, so it's just one of those things. And I get guys that do that all the time and they're like squeezing it and they're like holding it up to their ear. Oh, cause you want to hear this? Oh, I, I guess. <laughs> right. Uh, so that's just that's one thing. It's not necessary. If you're looking for a certain flavor or a certain strength, like ask the tobacconist that's working at that shop. Yeah. They'll tell you if they're good at what they're at what they do, they'll tell you and which direction plenty, to go in. There's been plenty of times, I mean, I've been in both of Smitty's shops and he's very attentive to what's going on. He knows the inventory. There are some guys that work in the business that don't. And I've been in a shop where the guy couldn't give a shit if I was in the room or out. He didn't care. He was just collecting a paycheck. Just like PetSmart employees. And I've (laughs) seen two or three other guys in the humidor with me. There's a big walk-in humidor, right? And I see one guy. He's doing this. Hmm. He has no idea what he's looking for. And he doesn't have the confidence or maybe he doesn't have just – maybe he's bashful, whatever it is. He doesn't want to ask. 
there's another guy who's like, okay, I'll take one of these. And, oh, I didn't know they had these. They'll take one of those. And I'll ask that guy, like, hey, man, you ever had these before? Because I haven't. Or, or let's pretend I'm a new person. Hey, man, I don't know what I like. What are you, what are you, what are you looking for? You know what I mean? You, you mind? And some guys will be rude and be like, ah, I really don't do that in my own thing. And other people will ignore you because they're dicks. And other guys will be like, yeah, man, if you never did this before, try that. It's cheap and easy or whatever, you know? I mean, good example is uh, Miguel, who's in the chat, asked in the yeah. Stogies group, yeah. if he, he wants to get some scars, where should he start? And I know there was, like, myself, Thomas chimed in. There was a couple other people that, that jumped in and recommended some stuff. Uh, you know, I think there is sort of still this, I won't really say it's like a stigma, but there is sort of this idea is, that 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 cigars are like this sort of high end thing and you have to be sort of, it's a very white collar sort of thing. And I mean, it is, but at the same time it isn't, it can Uh, be, but it's not, it can be, but like my, the biggest thing for me, like I, I, I love it when I have someone come in and, you know, I recommend them something, they come in again a week later and they're like, dude, that was awesome. Like find me something else like it. Like then I'm like, fuck yeah. You know, (laughs) Miguel. Miguel. So, I personally just going back, like I'm trying to read what Thomas is putting in because he's he's so excited. I love it. Um, talking about if you break a cigar, if you crack it, or if you drop one on the floor. Now, if it's wrapped in cellophane, it's kind of not that big a deal, you know, five second rule, whatever. That cellophane but, does a surprising amount to protect it, a cigar, it does, especially since when they do crimp it, it's it's almost like heat crimped. So it it takes a lot for that crimp to actually open. Um, but I've dropped sticks on the floor, and the first thing that falls in my mind is, I gotta put this in my mouth. Ooh, who walked in this room before me in the bottom of their shoe? Ooh, Ain't gonna I stop me. I'm like a freaking dumpster diver of like. Anyway, I will 100. Still good. That shit will buff out. I will 100 percent buy that stick. It'll probably go in like a baggie with a boba pack and just get put on the side, you know, and in. X amount of time when I mentally think that the bacteria is gone, which is probably blossoming, I'll then then I'll smoke it. But don't be that guy. You know what I mean? It's like the guy See, that goes to the gas station and breaks a bottle of a, a, a wine or in the liquor store breaks a bottle of wine and then just kind of like sloughs it with his foot and walks away. Don't be that guy. Yeah, just buy the pay for it. Be like, hey man, I I fucked up. You know, like you don't have that to will teach you to not touch the expensive stuff. Exactly. Until you break a hundred dollar bottle of scotch or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> I spent like fifty dollars on one of my favorite sakis, and I had it in the stupid plastic. I always grab it by the neck of the bottle because I know I'm not going to drop it. And this time I didn't. It was in the plastic bag because I got a bunch of other shit, and the bag just goes, <laughs> and that sake hit the concrete, and went, and it just. The ground was sticking for days as a constant reminder. Don't use the bag. <laughs> don't use the bag. Ugh. Rookie. Mm-hmm. Right. So yeah, see, we don't make a big deal out of that though. If that happens, if someone drops a cigar and it cracks, like I set it aside and eventually I probably smoke it because we're not gonna we can't send it back. We're not gonna sell right. it. Yeah. You know, it's like at least I'll, I'll give it a good home. I'll take care of it. In your mouth. Yes. So but going back to your etiquette stuff, uh, you said something to me that is, <clears throat> excuse me, completely frowned upon in my neck of the woods. 
you said that smoking a cigar in the walk-in humidor does absolutely nothing. And you may very well be correct. But if you did that in South Florida, they would forcibly kick you out. If it's a small humidor, that yeah, I understand. But if it's like a bigger walk-in, it's yeah. not gonna it's not gonna change anything. Every every reputable cigar lounge or cigar bar in South Florida has some kind of ashtray or caddy next to the humidor door because they it is it is extremely uncultured. It is extremely rude to smoke or have a lingering stick in the humidor. crazy i don't know i mean i I don't i don't do it every day i don't make a point to walk in with a lit cigar but if i have one you know whatever yeah it's like obviously i'm not gonna i'm not gonna camp out in there and smoke all day in the humidor right right if you're in there for a few minutes talking to a customer and you got one lit it's not that big of a deal yeah for employees i don't know about customers you know if customers in there as long as they're not spending 20 minutes and they're smoking if they're just kind of in and out they're grabbing a few before they leave but they're still got one lit like whatever um but yeah i would not just i mean if i was in another shop i would not just walk in with a lit cigar in the humidor like i guess it's it's one thing for you to to like trash your own house but you can't do it to somebody else's yeah, and but I think I think you make a good point. You walking in there to help a customer for less than sixty seconds isn't going to do anything. But some guy walking around with a stick in his fingers, shopping, yeah, yeah no. of your time. I imagine that's going to seep into the cedar. <sighs> Another very good way to get your ass kicked or yelled at in a cigar shop is if you light up a cigarette. As weird as it sounds. You light up a cigarette in a cigar shop and there's people hanging out. I guarantee you every person in there is going to be giving you dirty looks or tell you to put it out. Yeah, it doesn't make sense, but it does make complete sense. Cigars do not linger nearly as much as cigarette smoke does. They don't. They don't. That's a fact. Someone smokes a cigarette in the shop. I smell that cigarette for way longer than I smell this. And it's horrible. No. People, like, and I get weird looks when I'm like, can you smoke that outside? They're like, really? And I'm like, I know it sounds stupid, but I just, you got to do it. I can't explain it without making it sound dumber, but just don't. So going back to the kookiness of my South Florida locality, if the place serves liquor, they won't say a word about you smoking a cigarette as long as you're drinking. You would, ne- you would never bring a cigarette into the humidor. <laughs> never. And if they don't stir booze, you would not be smoking indoors. They would ask you to go outside. And so when I visited Justin on his, at his wedding and in the bachelor party and everything, Jake and I went out front and smoked our cigarettes out front. But I'm also weird because I smoke a lot of cigarettes while I'm smoking cigars. It's like I'm in the smoking mindset, as most of you who watch this show can tell. Mike, looking at you. and uh, But at the bar, it's so much worse because you're drinking, you know? <clears throat> Every couple sips is a cigarette. Jesus. Jeff says, nah, just a little meth. 
Yeah, yeah. You know, little, little crack. Nobody smokes blunt in the shops. Blunts in the shop. Yeah, that's that's a no no. No, no marijuana in any of these. Though I do have people who come in and make it smell like somebody has. Yeah. What I think is interesting is because I don't know anything about marijuana. I'm I'm that guy. I don't know a dick about it. Same. It's interesting how Bovida has an entire line, dude, and you would never know it. Dedicated to cannabis, you would never know it. But now here's my thing: because Their I don't marketing is that good. But that's the thing: is is it the same shit, or is it truly catered to a different plant? I don't know, but I didn't even know it existed. Really? Like years after I worked in cigars, I went on their website. I was like, "There's like a whole another half of Bovida yeah, I didn't it, even it, know it, existed." It's a wing. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. They do a really good job of keeping it like separate from the cigar stuff. Absolutely. Well, it's, it's like really it's, impressed. Clientele. It really is. Mm-hmm. Now, going back to, you know, Jeff asked about a good humidor. And uh, Thomas chimed in saying, you know, something with a gasket and Bovida packs. So we referenced this company, Bovida, um, or Bovida, however you want to pronounce it. Um, the guys from them call it Bovida, so I call it Bovida. Um, it's basically a proprietary liquid that they seal into a paper or cardboard packet. Almost feels like a instant oatmeal packet uh, with like liquid in it. It's like a saline solution, right? Yeah. So the packet itself, although it feels like you know rigid and it contains this liquid, it's porous and it's constantly uh, taking in humidity. And then letting out humidity at the same time. So it's maintaining a perfect balance to achieve a desired percentage of humidity. Um, so, like, I have a bunch of hygrometers and all my humidors. I rarely use them because I almost exclusively use Boba packs now. And I, even though I live in a humid environment in South Florida, the indoor is usually very, very little humidity. I mean, my bedroom has snakes in it, and it's only 32%. And that's because air conditioning is 24 7 in South Florida. It's always going, AC is always sucking stuff out. So that's what she said. What's that? Huh? I missed that. What was that? Nothing. Oh, okay. So <laughs> not meth. No, not Thomas, not meth. Um, and uh, what happens is if the humidor does get too dry, it will expel more hum- humidity. And after a while, it gets crunchy. It gets like crusty on the inside, and it solidifies, almost turns to like a stone. And then you throw it away and buy another one. There are some guys on YouTube that can rehydrate them. I don't. I've, I I've tried it. it. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. Okay, there I've you tried go. it. Now I've, I've gotten bored at work and tried it, and it does not work. Uh, now I've had horrible, horrible luck with wooden humidors, and I think it's because of my indoor lack of humidity issue. I also. I bought expensive ones. I bought cheap ones. Just the wood just doesn't work for me. So I've gone to something that's polymer or acrylic. Did you season it? Oh, yes. And we'll get to seasoning. I figured I would talk about the plastic stuff. You talk about the wood stuff if we're cool with that. Um, So I've gone to actual gasket sealed polymer boxes, uh, pelican cases, storm cases, uh, something that you would keep a camera equipment in or firearms, something like what Justin has right there. Um, Someone decided at my... My birthday to put my stickers all over. Oh, that is awesome. So no one's going to be stealing this anytime soon. <laughs> little, little Justin. So I mean, my everywhere. Thing, 
Oh my God, they did. They plastered it. So if you notice, hey, Justin, hold that, hold the pressure valve up for a second. So that is a Pelican brand case. That gasket on the front is actually designed for air travel because when that is put into the cargo of the plane, it's not pressurized. So what happens is when the plane goes up to 30,000 feet, the box gets sucked shut and it's completely encapsulated. Well, if you get off the plane and you try to open it, you can't because it's pressurized shut. So that gasket actually regulates the pressure and allows it to equalize so that when you get off the airplane, you can crack it open and it works. It also uh, has something to do with being watertight. So if you go underwater, it shuts if off. If you never you... fly, it doesn't matter. True. Anyway, because of that gasket seal and that pressure valve, it is crucial that for those of you trying to do a case like that, you and you consistently once a week, a couple times a month, burp that case open. Open the case, let an air exchange happen, and that will cut back on the plume, that'll cut back on mold, that'll cut back on like staleness if it does dry out too much. Just just open the box at least once a week and you'll be good because I've actually ruined cigars because I forgot they were in the Pelican case and months went by and I go to open it. It's like, oh my God, what happened? You know, the Boba de Pack feels like Professional sand. opinion. Yes. I would rather have cigars that are too dry than cigars that are too humid. Oh, 100%. 100%. Because cigars that are wet do not yeah. burn well. Yeah. So and they're all they blow if out. If you're gonna blow out. If you're if you're gonna worry about your cigars as far as keeping them in the humidor, don't be afraid to keep them on the slightly drier side. Yes. And it's, it depends. It depends on where you live too. Like where Phil is, where I am, it's super humid most of the year. Humidity is an issue. I really don't have to worry about. Like we have guys come in all the time. Like my hygrometer is only reading fifty, and I'm like, what do you have in there? A sidecar jar and a Boveda pack, I'm like, you're fine. Yeah. Your hygrometer is, A, probably not calibrated, which if you buy a humidor, uh, the gauge, if it's an analog, like with the little dial, looks like a clock. Whatever that thing says, don't trust it because I guarantee you it's not accurate. It's literally just there for aesthetics and to look good. Uh, yep. Yep. So, like, if you're out west or if you're up north where it stays consistently drier... Those guys do typically have a little bit harder of a time, especially out west, keeping their cigars where they need to be. So, but I mean, if you're in like the southeast, like this side of the country, you really don't have to think about it too much. But going back to what uh, Thomas was saying, um, typically when I have people come into work and they're asking about humidors, I ask them how many cigars they're going to have at a time. Because if you're only going to have 10 or so, don't bother with a desktop, get a travel case. Yeah. You can keep your cutter in there. You can keep your lighter in there. Um, you just throw a Beveda pack in there, and you you, wor- you don't have to worry about it. Um, when you get, like, a cedar humidor, like a wood humidor, ideally what you want to do is season it, which basically means you take distilled water, you wipe all the raw cedar inside, let that, that cedar absorb that water, uh, especially around the rim, because the, the idea is you want a really good seal. Like, the seal is probably the most important part as far as humidification in cigars. Um I actually am with Thomas as far as like the best humidors really are like those gasket boxes and Pelican cases, uh, otter boxes even, um, just because you put a Boveda pack in there and you, you close that sucker and it's going to keep everything in, in that box. It's not going to, you know, humidors. If you have a window on top that has the glass, like, there's just a lot of seams and areas for humidity to escape. So if I if you do do a, a wood humidor, I recommend one that's just 
a wood top, no glass. Uh, doesn't have windows in the sides. Like the less seams, the better, because you don't know how well, uh, like glued in those are. So you don't know what kind of glue it was. You don't know how porous the seam is. That's yeah. Just you don't yeah. know how many how many leaks, like air leaks, there are basically. Mm-hmm. In it, so. Um, if you're aging cigars, though, like if you're planning on sitting on cigars for a couple of years, I definitely recommend a wood, a cedar humidor, because um, you just don't get the same effect that you do with plastic. Yeah. But if you're like me and you can't sit on cigars to save your life, I have an acrylic humidor, but one of those Beveda humidors. It's that's all acrylic. Um, Which is nothing, way nicer than I thought. Nothing's ever yeah. in it, but, yeah, but it looks good. I saw yours, and that thing is built very, very well. I was not expecting it to be as robust as it is, nor as ergonomic as it is. I thought it was just like a, a clear box, and it's not. It's actually laid out really, really nice. It's got Tray magnets, and, and the lid is yeah. weighted so that it's sealed real well. You know. Yeah, they did a great job of it. I, I would say it's worth the money if you don't have Pelicans and Otter Boxes and stuff like that. If you have yeah. a Staples nearby, though, Staples has some gasket boxes and stuff to mm-hmm. vary, you know, different sizes. So. I mean, crap, the sterilites that we use for snakes with the gasket seal, that actually does pretty damn well in a pitch. Which ones? The ones with the blue gasket sterilites? Yeah, those like those I guess those those were made by Iris, but they were branded for Ziploc, and then I guess Ziploc dropped them, but Iris still carries them, so you can go in the container store, I believe, and buy them too. Yeah. I just don't know how small they get. I've had sterilites that were probably 16 quart with yeah. the gasket, and they had two snaps. So, okay. Um, just going back to seasoning, if I can get a little more vivid with it. So, I've seasoned so many humidors, and I got to be honest, I kind of find it therapeutic, especially when you have a brand new humidor that you've never put stuff in, and it needs to be seasoned because it's literally drier than a bone. Um, I think it's super therapeutic because I, first of all, you got to be careful as to what you use to wet the inside because you'll notice that the wood, well, no, 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 I meant the actual application of it. So, yes, you have to use distilled water. Do not use spring water or mineral water or anything like that because you have enzymes and stuff in there that are going to leave deposits of some kind. Um, So you have to use distilled water, and which is 99 cents per gallon or whatever it is. Um, and you've got to be careful as to how you apply it because whatever you're using, a sponge, a rag, whatever, not only are you transmitting bacteria and such, but you're also leaving fragments of what you used. So, like, for example, um, I get the synthetic sponges. They have dye in them. So I'll soak those sponges in distilled water for a few days and wring them out and wring them out and rinse them out and wring them out in distilled water. And they'll actually lighten up in color because you're rinsing the dye out. So like a pack of three, it's like pink, green, and blue or whatever. You'll rinse some of that dye out. And then what I'll do is I'll rip it in pieces and I'll just use a little piece of sponge and I'll just, I'll soak it in uh, distilled water and I'll paint the inside of the wooden box. And you'll notice that the wood is a particular color. Obviously, it'll be darker once you add the water to it. So you can see where your brush strokes are, right? However, if you were to wring it out or you would apply too much, you'll notice almost a glossiness to it of standing water. That's really bad because the standing water, even in the minute, the minute amount that it's just made it glossy, 
it'll bow that wood. And I've caused bubbles or like bow marks in the framing of the wood because that one corner, that one spot was just too moist and the wood flexed. It it literally like flexed out. out. Yeah. Yeah. So just from my personal experience. And Randy asked if you can use a spray bottle. Uh, I mean, if you kept the like the the most fine setting, like mist wise, yeah. you could. Um, but that, the, I mean, mean, the biggest thing, as far as what Phil Phil was just saying, is like use a new sponge. Don't use the sponge that you have sitting on your your sink that you use to wash dishes. Right. A new sponge. They're cheap. Right. If you're at the store and you're getting getting water, anyways, just grab a sponge. You know. Yeah. And I've used real nature, like was once alive sponges, like from the ocean. And uh, I didn't like it because however it, whatever dead material that living creature has left, when you raked it or painted it across the cedar, the pores of the cedar would grab microscopic fibers mm-hmm. and, such, and it would almost disintegrate on the wood. And then now you have to clean it out for real. Um, cause now you've got like dead skin cells in there from that organism. Um, I think using like Dustin's a mist system or like a misting of it. Like I have, uh, those exoterra pump misters that gives like a really, really fine mist that would work real quick. If you just want to real quick and then still use your dry sponge and paint over and, and smear it all around. That'd be great, but just going, don't overdo it. Yeah. Just don't overdo it. Don't ruin it. It, and it's almost funny because when you get the glass top ones, like Justin was saying not to get, if somebody gives you one as a Christmas gift or whatever, if you close it and it, the glass fogs, way too wet. Way too wet. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't get the ones with the glass. I'm just saying personal preference and what I usually recommend is to get the ones that don't have glass. So. And Cuffins, I am not contributing to the destruction <laughs> of our deep oceans. I'm saying don't use I bet the you real use sponge. straws too, you monster. Use the fake sponges. And Jeff, I don't hate turtles. <laughs> I just love using claws. Uh, so going back to tubes and tins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. Poor Cox got got backseated. He does hate turtles and chondros. <laughs> it's funny, man. My mom. I bought my mom uh, Specs hingebacks for Christmas one year, and she loves those tortoises. God, she loves them, and the, she takes such good care of them. But anytime she's like, oh. They did this today, or oh, I was cleaning the tortoise enclosure, and this happened, and I kn- I could feel my look that I give it her, like I don't give a shit, mom. Like I'm sorry, like I'm happy you're happy, but like they're turtles. <laughs> but like I have to fight that back. Like I don't want to be that guy because I really do think turtles are awesome. I would totally have terrapins. Uh, that's another thing we got to bring up later is Florida's banning terrapin possession. So we'll talk about that later tonight. Are they? Oh yeah, it's give an inch, take a mile, Those fuckers. But anyway, um, I don't hate turtles. I don't hate chondros. Go on, Justin, please. Uh, so tube cigars, I don't like them. Okay, elaborate. As uh, so in my experience, smoking tube cigars versus like the same line, like VSGs, Asha VSGs. It's a great yes. cigar. Timeless classic, one of my the- all-time favorites. The Eclipse, which comes in a tube. Looks so good. It looks great. Tastes horrible. Cardboard. And I think it's a lot like canned beer versus bottled beer. That aluminum because most of the tubes are like aluminum. They're not they're not anything fancy. Right. 
and maybe it's like ionizing or something, but tube cigars to me just don't, they taste different and not in a good way. Now, as far as the tin thing, like what Cox was saying. Um, now, before we talk about tins, what about a glass tube? Glass tubes are fine. I don't have any glass issues with glass tubes. Glass tube, I think, is probably my my favorite of said container. Um, tins, I mean, when you're dealing with tins, you're dealing with cigarillos, which are which are smaller. Uh, so you're dealing with the, you know, maybe a cheaper filler. Um, you're dealing with a smaller gauge, a much smaller gauge, so flavor is going to be different than in like a like a T52 from a tin versus a T52 in a Toro. It's going to be a completely different cigar flavor wise. Totally. Like yeah, they're going to be there's going to be it's going to be reminiscent of the of each other because it's going to be the same wrapper and stuff, but it's just a complete different different smoke. Uh, and I don't mind tins. I don't usually bother smoking um smaller cigars like that because it's like three puffs and it's gone um but some people like cigarillos i like a quick smoke you know but if i see a cigar in a tube and it's something i like like we have a a gift set of the league of stuff that are in tubes and i'm like i ain't even gonna bother because yeah it's just not gonna taste right i don't i don't know i mean that's that's me i don't know if you've had any experience in that realm no i have i 100 percent have and i honestly i don't think i mean i could be wrong we're we're hypothesizing the shit out of this but I don't, me personally, I don't know if it's the whole, you know, soda in a can, soda in a bottle kind of thing, a glass bottle thing, but the the sticks that are in the aluminum or the tin tubes with the screw-on threaded cap, I think that there is virtually no air exchange, and because of that, they are stagnant. And we've had some Romeos that came in and they were in tubes and they were, they was they were moldy as hell. Yeah. And I think what happens is the manufacturer. And again, this is straight. This is just a hypothesis. The manufacturer is less apt to rush. Expedite. Hey, what's up? What's going on kids? I think the manufacturer is less likely to rush the distribution of said product because they know it's sealed up and they don't care. So because of that, it sits and it lingers for longer. Um, now, as far as things go with the little cigarellos, um, I've tried a lot of them because I like to smoke my cigar in the car, but I don't have time to smoke a whole cigar. So if I'm going for like a 30-minute, 40-minute drive, I'll take a cigarello. And it'll be, you know, I'll get a, a, a number nines or I'll get a, a ten of Upmans. And the number nine and the Upmans are probably my two that I would go to. But as Justin said, it's a totally different smoke because you still have binder filler wrapper, but it's such minute amounts of filler. You know what I mean? And it's just so... It's the, almost ratios like are, the, the ratios are different. Yeah, the ratios are completely different. And it's I still enjoy it, but I don't light up... Uh, a number nine out of a ten, assuming it's going to be like a Toro, like Justin said, it's it's not. I know it's not. You know, I think that everyone should buy them and try them. You know what I mean? Especially if your your local spot has one of those like uh, uh, Drew Estate racks. Nobody ever touches those Drew Estate racks with all those tins because they do a tin for almost every single Crown and and Liga, right? 
Yep, Kentucky five. Yeah, so so a lot of places the guys don't touch those those little five pack or seven pack tins. My round my round two is a Tatuaje Cajonu twenty twelve, which is a Habano and is very good. That's very cool, man. Very under underestimated. It's not like that's just the name of the line. They're not actually made in twenty twelve. I don't. Oh think. oh, it's on a holdback. Okay, so yeah, I, I think if you can if you can get a, a tin of number nines for twelve bucks. Go for it. Eight bucks. Go for it. You know what I mean? Try it out. If they're dog crap, throw them away. Whatever. Yeah, I'm glad Scott's here because we can do the over-under with him, too. Yeah. All uh-huh. right, Scotty. Uh-huh. 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 Look at that color. Give it a kiff. Ah, oh, easy to touch them on the tile if you want, but you just don't get bitten by Look at this flat now. That's probably the first period that you guys have ever seen, isn't it? Uh, I can't. I uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with those at all. No, I. There was a guy that had them here, and I'm spoiled with that regard. But that's awesome, man. Gorgeous. They're fucking pretty, aren't they? Yeah, my wife is a pretty excited one. So before they go into quarantine here, they sit upstairs for a week um, just to make sure that there's nothing. Uh, we do a first night treatment and stuff mm-hmm. like that just to make sure that <clears throat> before they go into quarantine. So we sit them there for 48 hours or so without anything in there before we offer them water and just make sure that they're doing what they should do. Look at pretty little snakes. Gorgeous. Are they, now, are they yours or are they wifey's? Oh, look, they're on my permit, but they're my wife's. There's no doubt about that. They're my wife's. <laughs> I um, got that vibe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, look, I want more death out of like I want a hole in the head. But, you know, at the same time, they're pretty special little snakes, that's for sure. So, man, those those Dajaras that Cody has, the hypos, man, that's like such a freaking smoking snake. Yeah, man. Uh, I'd so say- these, these things make the jaras look... Like they're in gray, black and white. Yeah, but I've these never things seen... are so much prettier than a Bajajar. I've never absolutely seen them in person, but I think that might be my favorite. Nah, these are broader than Wells are. Yeah, but doesn't Wells are a lot broader than Wells are? Yeah, we've got black and we've got red and black Wells are as well, and wow. I think awesome. these things shit all over Wells are. So, really, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like them better than Wills are, but you know, look at those hey, bands, do you do? yeah, they're nice snakes. So, hey, oh, instead of being at the office, I'm actually at, at, at home, so I'll, I'll show you a couple of things. All of me, I'll we'll go outside and have a look at a few things. So, I'm just sure. this is my how, how good is this? Oh, yeah, what so you, are you guys book nerds or not? 100%. I have a whole shelf of books yeah. that I bought like within the last five years and have yet to crack open. I'm, oh, I'm so yeah. slow much, about how reading. Much, how, much of, how much of a book note are you? Not at that, not that much. It makes not that much. Oh, let me, let me, let me show you a couple of, a couple of treats, shall we say. Um, I'm American. We don't see. read. Yeah. Well, you know, you can look at pictures. Yeah, we uh, love coloring books. That's why I have Terralog. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? You have Terralog? 
<laughs> yeah. parallel too. That's why I have so, parallel. I'm, I'm an, uh, an illiterate American. Well, so what? Uh, the one of the things that I like is when you get books that are signed and stuff like that. So this one here, so this is the what they call the Bible of Australian hurt, which is I have that. Cogger. All right, I so so this one here says. With my regards and thanks for your ever generous help and use of your great photos, Al Cogger. Isn't that nice? That is so, phenomenal. You know, it's, it's phenomenal. nice when, when they're actually signed to you. Um, and my wife's got a whole heap like that as well. So um, I'm looking for one in particular that I've got here somewhere. Uh, where is it? It's another cogger. I got it. And... Can I yeah. tell you, Phil, that I bought a copy of the Invisible Arc off Amazon used for like 10 bucks, and it was signed? Really? really? Yeah. I think it opened... This was a while think... back, but I, I opened it up, and it was signed. I was like, hell yeah. That's awesome. I think every that. single one of those is signed. Oh, shit, you're not. I think every single one of those is signed. Yeah, it's like a, I wouldn't be surprised, but... Um, Still, it's a great bucks. book, though. It is a great book. Um, what else is there? Sorry. Office is an absolute schmozzle at the moment. Um, the best kind. What can I say? Yeah, well, it's an organised mess. So I know where it is, but um, except obviously right at this moment, which I can't see for some strange reason. I don't know why I can't see it. Have you ever autographed? Which is really, really frustrating. Have, have I autographed my own book? Yeah, so when you're 85 years old and you're senile, you can open and go, oh, yeah, I did Sign copy. This. This is, I did, I did yeah, write this. Well, I've got, I've, yeah, well, I've got, obviously, I've written books and stuff like that, and I've signed plenty of them. Um, I don't usually sign them to myself, though. Um, <laughs> I'm egotistical, but I'm not quite that egotistical. Um, yeah. Every man has his limits. But anyway, that's all right. Oh well, you know you, you got to you got to have some fun with it. Um, I don't know. Is there any books that you're actually keen on seeing? I've got some pretty good ones. I feel oh, like almost all of them aren't available here, so I'm probably completely unfamiliar with them. Yeah, you, you know what? To, sure. You need this. You need. You absolutely need that. Have you guys got that? What is it? No. Is that that Mate, medical book? Yeah, I want yeah, that one so bad. That, it's mate. like crazy expensive, though. It's worth every fucking cent. Yeah, and when you say it's, it's it's crazy expensive, how much is your snakes worth? It's true. Because that'll save like that. the life of some of your snakes. So is oh, it yeah. is it crazy expensive or is it one of those things you can't afford not to have it? Well, I'll tell you, there's that one book that's uh, it's an Aussie publisher of uh, snake diseases and parasites. I bought that book and that book has saved my ass like three or four times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's um, I've got that too. I don't know where it is. Everything, as I said, everything is an absolute schmozzle at the moment. But um, but yeah, that's. I think you were talking about that. You got you guys have got that, haven't you? I have that. That's not a bad book. It's an amazing book. It's one of my favorites I've read so far. If you can ever get your hands on it, this thing is absolutely fucking brilliant. Ooh. Wow. Australian Animal Toxins by Struan Sutherland and James Tibbles. Interesting thing about that one, 
is that Struan died before that came out. Wow. So, do you have um, a two set rattlesnake book? I've only got the single abridged version. I've got to get the double. Okay. I've got the leather version of that. Well, my wife's got the leather version of that. I don't have that. That's nice. the Rattlesnakes of Arizona. That's the leather bound edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was pretty nice. Um, you know, there's, a, there's all sorts of stuff here. Um, I'm pissed off that I can't <laughs> see the cogger I was going to show you. I don't know why I can't see it. It will be here somewhere. It's a fucking mess in here, though. So, oh, well, such is life. We'll go outside and go look at some animals, though. Is it a bit alien to be talking to one person on the other side of the globe right now? All right. What time is it there, Scott? Like noon? Uh, it is quarter past one in the afternoon. So on Tuesday, so we keep a lot of our pythons outside on Tuesday in the future. In the future. Uh, in the future. So in the future, you could be keeping snakes outside. So these Where's are diamond the, python enclosures. Where's the imbricata? Oh yeah, we'll get to that in a second. Where's Eric Burke? I don't think he's watching. I know, right? Text him. Feel bad. Before I get fucking smashed by this. Justin, you should probably be on the screen right now. Yeah, I should. Yeah. Good call. Good call. Yeah. So that's a diamond. Uh, See if I can get bitten on camera. Like See, but else. you guys don't have to worry about like raccoons and stuff, man. Yeah, we've only got cane toads, possums, cats, dogs. Raccoons would have a field day breaking into those here. Yeah. Other diamonds. Yeah. So this is an imbricata. <laughs> The one species of carpet we'll probably never see in the States. Uh, I reckon you guys have already got them there. Well, if somebody does, they're really good at hiding it. There's an imbricata there. That's had its pre late. So hopefully, Owen has been knocked up the duff by Eric. <laughs> so just to fuck with Owen, I'll call the um, imbricata. The female Imbricata Owen and the male Imbricata is Eric. So Eric gets to fuck <laughs> Owen and then Owen can be a proven breeder. That's awesome. Nah. That's so, awesome. <laughs> so I just I just messaged Eric and said, get him to show these Scott's showing us Imbricata. So we'll see how quick he hops on. So so there's Eric right there. <laughs> oh, that's so cool! Man, it looks like a black brettles almost. It's a black brettles. Look at that! I'm fucking. You watch this funky thing smoke too. 
fucking cunt of a lizard snake. Get out of there. Are they, I mean, are they pretty... Don't you bite. Pretty feisty for the most part? Oh, they're just... These things are like fucking wild snakes because they sit outside. They live outside. Oh, I got you. That makes so sense. So that's the male. See, he's, see how he's all real huffy and that? Mm-hmm. Don't you don't. Don't you fucking dare. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, right. see, I don't, want to, I don't really want to put my hand on that. You know what I mean? Straight like, up black brettles, man. It's black brettles. Now, Scott, do you know exactly what locality these are supposed to be? No, these are from Albany. These are wall court. Wow. Wall court on permit. Wow. No fucking, no bullshit here. All our animals are, we know where I like those doors. I like how those doors open. Yeah, so we set them up for monitors. So you can just open that up, throw a rat in. Yeah. Throw the hose in, whatever. Nice and easy. Their sandals are pretty sweet too, bro. You like them? Yeah. Fucking how's this? I got them Nikes. I fucked my toe this morning. Look at that. Isn't that nice? Oh. Kick the fucking bed. And it fucking sucked ass. But anyway. But we have a saying in this house unless you go to the doctors, no sympathy. So. So. There we go. Look at that. There's an Imbricata. So they get a bit of size. This thing will come up wanting to fucking eat me. And are they all pretty much that dark color? Do you get any variation in those? Across oh, that's the, got uh, a bit of light in it. I mean, all of the Albany ones, because they're so southern, that's why they're, mm-hmm. they're like that. That makes sense. But we wanted to make sure that they had nothing. There was no chance they were anything but pure. Yeah. So, But the skins got thicker since they've been outside. We raised them inside and then moved them outside. This time last year. So, and the, the skin is, with the natural UV, has noticeably mm-hmm. got thicker on the animals. So, the other thing that we need to do is when it's bloody hot, you can see, oh, it, uh, we can pull those shade sails down so that yeah. they they don't get way too hot. Underground hides and shit like that. So, now yeah, they all have food. that underground chamber that that first one had? Yeah, all of them got that as well. That's cool. So, so here's Spot. Hello, Spot. How good is that for a lizard? Those things are cool too. Yeah, you'll come over. You'll probably come over. They come over and say hello. Oh. If I bring a rat out, he'll uh, he'll come over. But so we've got little food doors mm-hmm. for these. So instead of having a a full size parenti running at your face, yeah, you can, you can use a, a much smaller door. Um, why does it keep doing that? Phil, are you playing with the layout? So, this is something you probably haven't seen too many of. This is a, a 
same one of them. Come over. Usually in Taiwan. <laughs> did you say in front? Did you say leak? <laughs> Open mouth. <laughs> you bite me God. through the glass. That's cool. I wish I had the space and time for monitors, man. So these are like um, Argus monitors, I suppose, but they're mm-hmm. prettier. I want to say our buddy Alan Stevens over in California has some of those same monitors. Yeah, they're probably got, he's probably got Flabby Rufus. These aren't Flabby Rufus, so so this is Gouldie Gouldie, and like that will run and jump. He thinks he's going to get fed. He'll come leaping over. Come on. Phil is having technical difficulties. Phil is a technical difficulty. These things are like good God. Yeah, no kidding. How good is this though? Here's another another Velociraptor. The bells. Little female. And out of the monitors, what's your favorite? Oh, Parentes. Parentes. Yeah. I, I like Lacey's too, but Parentes are probably my favorite. Another one. This is Fingers. This is the one that smoked me on um, with David Kaufman. Mm. Spit me on the fucking hand. So, same thing. So, we've got these food doors. And you need the food doors with them because if you don't have it, you'll end up getting smacked by them. I'm sure it's, yeah, it's probably a nightmare, you know, with that big door when they're in, trying to figure it out. You know, Hannibal, absolute... Hannibal Lecter had a feeding door too. Yeah, that's it. Well, when they're in um, full-on food mode, um, you know, look, we we can call them, we target train them and stuff like that. But when they're like this and they just think they're going to get fed, yeah. like I'm fucking around in his enclosure and not, I'm not walking up to it. He's like, oh, well, this... I must be getting fed. That's the first thing. And then after that. So, yeah. So now all the monitors are right. They're all like sort of looking at me. Like, where's this food? Where's the <laughs> food you've got for me? They're pretty awesome animals, though, that's for sure. Well, um, we'll go on. I can't really show you too much inside, though. The building because there's no service in here. So, but that's the snake room. Yeah, I've seen that man. That thing's. You want my door? Top notch. Yeah. So you know, when people come here, they get to sign the door and have a bit of a laugh and take the piss. You know, mm-hmm. you guys might know that fella. <laughs> So, you know, uh, but you got to have some fun with it. We're going to have a look at a couple of things out the front too. Um, what's that? Uh, who's the guy who likes blue things? Uh, Casey. Um, uh oh. Casey. 
Kitty P's not on. You can salivate on this uh, later. I don't think he's on right now. No. I'm going to pull out and show you in a second. You've got it. Yeah. So. It's cutting in and out a little bit. Can you see that all right? Oh, yeah, there we go. It's a giant abronia. So, yeah, giant abronia. So, a little shingle back there. Um, How do those compare to the blue tongues? You keep them pretty much the same? Uh, we keep them with we kept them with blue tongues. These are the okay. things I thought that you might like. Do, do, do. I'm on. So you, you guys got lost blue tongues over there? Uh, I couldn't tell you if we do or not. I'm not too hip to uh, most of that that group. Hmm, you froze up. There we go. Yeah, that's nice. Anyone with blotter. So lots of Easterns, but not many blotches. We have Eastern Alps as well. A better looking one here. So, so these have got underground hides as well. Move out of the way, Mr. Shooter, mate. <laughs> and how do, they, how do they access those? Is there like a, oh, like a tube that runs into them? Yeah, so this has got a foam box, and inside the foam box, then that's on high. That's cool. So there's another. Randy said there are blotches here. And another one. This one's coming up first. Oh, Phil's back. Shed, so instead of being orange, it's white. He lives. They're beautiful, huh? Yeah, those are, those are smoking. So there's the hole. Oh, yeah, okay. There you go. I don't know what it is about black and white and animals that, like, especially reptiles, you know, it's just it's the coolest. You need to send me some of those night tigers. They're not do, cat, and they're nicer animals. So, these ink closures to give you an idea about. So these enclosures are um so you see we've got these roofs on the enclosure. Um mm -hmm. what else have we got? So 
So we put shade cloth over it in summer. You can see the shade cloth on that one there. So this is our version of an Argus. This is a, a yellow spotted monitor on Optis. There's Cunningham skinks in these. So it's got a, a rock stack. And then they can go in amongst the rock stacks to, to get where they want. These are Kimberley Northerns in here. Wherever they are. I think the satellite's crossing over the the globe. This is connection's uh, getting shoddy. Yeah. I noticed that too. Our northern's in here. Where do you keep the T-Rex? Kimberly. The pure Kimberley's a rich You know what it is? He's getting farther away from Dubai. That's what it is. There's a, yeah. more in here as well. There's more. There's, yeah. I'm not on the Wi-Fi because the Wi-Fi is dodgy as fuck. Anyway. Hang on, I'll try to give me one second. See if he's any better. I've got some lovely concrete floors. Huh? Oh, so you can see, you can see me now. I just see. So you oh, there see we go. Now. Yeah, there, there we go. go. So is it working now properly? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you're talking. There you go. Yeah. So that's, our, that's our car. Isn't that nice? See, anyway. that's, that's one thing um, that does surprise me about Australia is, like, the snake-catching business. There's a lot of people that seem to be doing it, and I guess there's business year-round. Well, right now, it's 30, 34 degrees Celsius. It's pretty fucking warm, and there'll be snakes moving. I'm actually half surprised we didn't see like a tree snake because we were walking around the yard. So, um, I don't know. Did you could you hear hear me before or not, or was it just cutting out? The shit? A little bit. It was cutting in and out some. When you so, got... Did you see? You saw those, yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. So what I was trying to say before about these enclosures. So they've got to have roofs on them. If they don't have roofs. Too much rain gets in and it'll flood them. Oh, yeah. Um, so we have issues with that. But you still get plenty of UV on, a, on an angle coming through. They still get a bit of natural rain in that as well. Um, the thermal hides are mainly for summer because they've got to be able to get out of the heat. Heat will kill reptiles faster than cold ever does. And so definitely for the stuff that is sitting out in full sun all, all the time that doesn't do well with a lot of heat... I'm doing renovations at my place. That's what I'm fucking 
bubble everywhere. Um, we've got to have um, we've got to have the shade cloth on the top. So all I do is I just roll that shade cloth up in summer, uh, in winter, and then it's sort of exposed. Mm-hmm. But the, the the plastic still keeps most of the rain off it. So, um, did you see that panoptis before or not? Yeah, a little bit. It was a little choppy. But... All right, let's see if it comes over now. You're going to come over and say hello? They're a beautiful animal. Um, you, should, you should walk by the Ferenti one more time because that was literally the oh, last call. Do you want to see Ferentis? I saw that face. I was like, no. Boom. And it blacked out. More than one way to skin a cat. Well, I think the people that are viewing this aren't going to say no to seeing the brain. No, that's fine. Mike, the conversion on that's roughly 93 degrees Fahrenheit. So, pretty damn hot. Well, I'm walking around in shorts and a t-shirt, shorts and a singlet, and it's fucking warm, I can tell you that. This is like a freaking compound you got, dude. Yeah, I know. It's fucking... So, did you actually see the snake film before as well or not? Yeah. I saw the I saw the uh, the diamonds and the imbricata and then and then right when you got to the perennial is when I blacked out. Oh, here you go. I'll be a cock tease. <laughs> oh man, there's a cock tease for you. Wow. Is that everyone who's ever visited or no? Nah, no, it's just some of the hurt people that that have been here. So. He's a fucking he's a cocksucker. Nah, he's a good bloke. I like that. <laughs> um, you know, one of the best guys, one of the most interesting people I've ever had here was this fella. And if you ever get a chance to get him on your show, get him on to have a talk to. He is brilliant. I've heard of him. Quetzal is a really nice guy. So um, we got this idea from Peter Krauss. Um, yeah, so right. Uh, you know. So yeah, I, I won't have any service in there. So you know, you'll just have to look at it through the glass. Um, <clears throat> really, really nice bike, um, and very, very interesting. The challenges that he's had to deal with with keeping reptiles in Costa Rica is pretty full on. So, so there it is. There's Spot. Hello, Spot. Hello, Spot. Me and Spotter mates. He's hey, bitch. You know, he's checking to see if I've got a rat for him or not. Is he, is he friendly or no? Ah, he's friendly if you're a rat. Okay. <laughs> uh, see, see, look, he's not he's not trying to bite me through the thing. He knows that I'm not a rat. I pick him up on it, but I don't, don't like stressing him for the sake of it. Yeah, you, you uh, have to TV with him. Here's, here's fingers. Fucker. Gorgeous. Yeah, he'll fucking bite me. <laughs> yeah, he knows what's up. Yeah, he's he's like, yeah, I'll fucking eat ya. Eat ya. Um, and you know, this will be leaping lizard. <laughs> this one's probably my favorite out of all of them, dude. 
Reminds me of the little green dinosaurs in Jurassic Park. They're terrifyingly adorable. Yeah, but that's terrifyingly like I will. I want to eat you. <laughs> he knows the why there. He's like, oh, maybe I'll be able to get him. <laughs> you have any Argus or no? Yeah, I showed you an Argus before, a Panoptes. So this is similar to an Argus. This is uh, Gouldai Gouldai. Awesome. So these are not. I reckon these are nicer than. Um, yeah, you can see he's, he's wanting to eat me. He thinks my finger, they're not the most intelligent. He's like, oh, I think I can. I think I can fit it in my mouth. So, um, yeah. So that's them. Super Give me a cool. second, and I will. Um, I don't know how do I how do I pause the video for a second. I pause the video for a second. I think Wait, I can here. I'll just I can pull yeah. you pull you from the stream. Let's see. We'll wait for. Yeah, give him back. Like, do what he's got to do. I can see when he's ready. So. Yeah, man, monitors. I just I wish I. I wish I had the space. Too cool, man. Because you've seen how it. Alan continually teases me with the Ackies. He does, man. He's a good. He's a good job. There. He's produced a ton of them. He's super smart because he includes me in those conversations. Because he knows I'm going to be like, Justin, just do it. Just, just get one. Just one. Awesome. I just look like I love small monitor species. I think it'd be cool. Dude, Pillbar ends are honestly the only monitors I really want. I just can't afford them. I'll get them one day. I want to have like a like a, like an entire wall unit rock escarpment. That would be sweet. Five or six of them in there, and all split you see it, split it in red. half and put rough scales on one side. Oh, that would be awesome. That would be dope. I mean, they're not in the same area. You know, they're, rock chondros. They're like twelve hundred miles apart. Same shit. No, but they occupy a similar niche. Niche. His nipper's gonna hear this and be like, "It's niche." Yeah. How many hookers Let's died? Yeah. Well, he's not wrong. <laughs> he is wrong. He's not wrong. No, he's not. Boy. Like fucking you guys saying Boyega, you know? Boyega. 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 What's the proper pronunciation of the scientific name of Morelia Bredels? What is the proper pronunciation? Bredley. 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 It just feels wrong. Now, what yeah, about... It's just because people get it wrong. What about Fortnite? He you saw that meme today too. I did see. Yeah, was that fucking aimed at me? <laughs> Who the fucking did that? I don't know, but I loved it. Suckers. <laughs> Suckers. <laughs> Thing is, the king horny is a is a bullshit species anyway. So. How so? Elaborate. Well, okay, okay. So I'll, I'll give you some taxonomic learnings. All right. So, <clears throat> do you understand what the rule of priority is? Fairly, yeah. Okay, so the rule of priority is simply this. If there's a name that is attributed to that species that exists prior to the, the second name being described, that second name goes into synonymy, okay? And the name that is available for before it is the name that should be used, right? So in the paper by Chippendale et al., 
they said that they raised Keith Ornai to a full species, yeah? Right? So that was the same one that described Norta and Tracier and, and all of those, uh, Classolepis. So when they looked at the relationship between the Australian scrubs and the, the Papillon scrubs, Amethystina and uh, King Horny Sensilato, um, they said that the animals on the Torres Strait are attributed to the Australian scrub python group, right? So if the animals in, this, in the Torres Strait Islands are a different species to the animals in southern New Guinea, then the oldest available name for the animals on the Torres Strait Islands should be the name that's used. That happens to be Clarkai. Okay, so it should be Somalia Clarkai from right. 1929. King Horn, King Horny, was only described by Stull in 1931. So there's a two-year gap between the two, right? So then the problem is, and they never actually diagnosed this in that Chippendale paper, and that's why a lot of people aren't using King Horn at all for the Australian scrubs, um, or they're not using Clark Eye, is because the argument was never clearly defined. They said that they were different genetically, and that the only way to tell them apart was by geography. But the problem is, is that doesn't actually work. You don't know where Amethystina stop and where King Horn Eye slash Clark Eye begin. So these animals, if the same animals are the animals in the Torres Strait as they are in Queensland, then those animals will end up, the Australian animals will end up being Clark Eye, not, not King Horny. If the animals on the Torres Strait are different to the animals in southern New Guinea and different to the animals at uh, Lake Barine, which is where King Orney is described from, then those animals, then King Orney will be in Australia as well as Clarkie. Who the hell knows what's going on with Amethystina? There is people working on Amethystina right now and the important thing that they've been able to do that no one else has been able to do is actually locate the type specimen, the hollow type, for Amethystina. So they've been able to actually figure that mess out as well. So um, if when that paper comes out, then we'll know what the hell's going on. But at this point in time, if you want to separate Australian scrub pythons from the overseas scrub pythons, then you should be calling them... Um, you should be calling them Clarky, not not King Horny, um, or King Horny. So yeah, hmm. so absolute mess. So we've regarded them as Amethystina because until someone actually pays, publishes a paper and and fixes it up, we'll leave them as Amethystina for now. Right. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. No. But if you turn your camera back on. Yeah, you're back in. Through, yeah, it's on there. Because through, through the miraculous part of um, from Zing, I finally found some rodents. So ah. we can so we can see if there's a slight difference in behavior hold, now. Hold the mouth, the mouse in your teeth. Oh, I could, but I've watched them. <laughs> um, Do a delicious. little sand guy, the ghoul. The ghoul oh, guy. you want me to feed little Sandy? Yeah, right. <laughs> Come here, mate. Yeah. Oh, what have I got? What have I got for you, Spot? What have like I got for you? I have morsels. 
What have I got for you? Oh, he's like, oh, hang on. Hang on, what's yeah, that? Full screen. Oh, come on. Come on. Right, come on. In here. Where you going? Come on. I see me get bitten by a parenti on camera. <laughs> come on. It's like feeding the velociraptors. Come on. You see that? You see how quickly he moves in here? Come on. Jesus. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is incredibly fast. Look at that. These are good because I'll fit through the bloody wire. I don't even have to open the bloody cage. Want another one, Spot? Just the speed of that lizard. You go to the other end. Come on. Come on. Oh, that's cool. Come you on. got a door at each each end. Yeah. Come on. He sees it. Come on. Come on. What the mouse or not? Such dinosaurs. Yeah. Man. So the one thing about these, people reckon they're expensive. They're not expensive. Their food bill's expensive. They'll eat. If I was feeding him just mice, he'll eat 30, 40 mice in a feed. Oh, I believe it. We usually give him um, rabbits or, uh, or day-old chicks or rats. I mean, we breed our own rodents, so Bottoms, it's the only way to pits. do it. Oh, hell yeah. yeah. Sandy's like, oh, me, 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 me. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they think, as soon as they realize that they've had food, Jesus Christ. No, it's not. <laughs> Here you go. Pull it through. There we go. <laughs> <It's> like literally <laughs> hanging from fucking... it. <laughs> he's, he's pushing through. Come on. It's like a giant tokay. Yeah, as soon as they get, the, get a bit through, they sort of just keep pushing them. Yeah. He's like pulling on it pretty hard, too. Eh? <laughs> By the way, I just noticed that Carly Jones has joined us. I'm a little disappointed because her rare sighting. told us that they would come on camera. I don't think they ever and said that. I think they just said they'd be here. Oh, no, no. They told me that. Oh, did they? Yeah. There you go. Look at that. Down the hatch. <laughs> I love it when they like run at a wall. 
to try and shove it down their head through their mouth faster. <laughs> Don't bite my fingers. How many of the bells do you have? Oh, I got a couple. This is always fun doing the first one. Over there. That's nuts. And they never uh, damage their claws on the screen at all? Nah. nah. Awesome. It's like, it's like running up a fucking tree. Yeah, it's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's got that. And then you gotta pull it. <laughs> Can you see that? <laughs> Fucking thing. They figure out those doors pretty quick too, huh? Oh shit, yeah. <laughs> Where is he? I can't even see the lizard. There he is. Beautiful. Come over here, lizard. Ah, oh, fucking hell. Alright. Last last but not least. Come on, fingers. Isn't that always a good thing to be calling a fucking goanna? Fingers? You see the money, rodent? Can you see the rodent in that or not? Yeah. yeah. Come on. Hey, hey, up here. Up here. Gone. Jesus. Now he's looking at me like, come on. And now, like, he tries to get he's his. He's like, I know through. you have more. He's like, I think I can get through. And I think they're a beautiful animal. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like he's now licking my hand, going, Oh, I can smell mouth blood on your hand. But anyway. No, the cool. right, well, I'm going to go inside and I'm going to grab a drink and then I'll sit down and talk to you guys for a little bit. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Cool. By the way, uh, we're getting a lot of really great feedback from everyone tonight. Yes. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. They they like it. They okay. love, yeah. They so you want to You want to do the over under stuff now? Sure. All right. So let him get his beverage first. Huh? Let him get his beverage. Okay. I'm going to pop off mine. All right.
Yeah, Casey talks about how much he wants to keep outdoors because he's up in like North Georgia, and uh, I don't know. I'd be for it, but like I said, raccoons. I feel like you'd have to put like an extra fence around uh, the cages just to keep the possums and stuff out. Yeah, I can understand that. I suppose. People see me all right. Mm-hmm. I don't want to fucking look at my head. Oh. Hey, uh, it's bloody warm out here today. Justin, what's the temp by you? Uh, it's got to be in the 40s or 50s. So, I am at 62. So... Uh, I'm sitting down outside because I can. That's good. Having a soft drink because I'm going to be playing with venomous snakes later. So. Yeah. Hey, probably the wiser. <laughs> oh, fuck, that's like mother's milk, eh? God, that's good. That stuff. If you ever get the chance to, to try that, give it a rack. Jake it Hansen is. sent me some Tim Tams. Those are pretty good. Thunderbird Blood Orange. Oh. Oh. Man, fucking fantastic. Blood Orange is pretty awesome in everything. I especially like the San Pellegrino. Oh, yeah, well, this is like that, but it's a bit sharper. Nice. Makes your lips and your asshole just go. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time. <laughs> yeah, at the same time. Love it. Love it. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. I can't understand what it would be like having a Christmas over there and freezing fucking cold and snow and shit. Fucking horrible. I like fucking having a barbecue and being able to go chasing critters on Christmas. Right. The, uh, I haven't had a white Christmas in probably 20 years now. And... I think it, it would still be cool to do it, but at the same time, I'm kind of like, yeah, yeah. Windows down for this morning, you know. All right. White Christmas. I reckon the only way you'd have a white Christmas over here is with Coke or Speed. <laughs> oh, fuck. Fuck, that was good. Snow is rare around oh, well. the Hopefully, um, hopefully a few of the people got a bit of an interesting laugh. But, but oh, and hopefully being a proven breeder these days. I think so. I messaged that to Burke, and uh, he, I guess he he signed off right as I was sending it. So hopefully he gets to read that tomorrow morning. <laughs> Dude, I he can't. Weird fucking hours, though, mate. So. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Mm. Oh, just, right. Let's get into it. All right. Let me finish my little Heath bar. So, I have a short list of things. And you guys can tell me if you think they're either overrated or underrated or right in the middle. Okay. Uh, first one is Chondros. Overrated. I reckon, or they're, 
where they are, where they are. I reckon they're right where they are. They're an interesting animal. If you like a green fucking inanimate object that lives on a stick. <laughs> but, that wants to fucking die when you walk past the cage the wrong way. Um, the people make out the people make out are a lot harder to keep than they really actually are. Um, yes. I think the problem is there's a lot of people are keeping wild caught animals and they fucking baby them. And they baby them to death. They stress them out because they're stressed out as keepers. And because yeah. they're stressed out as keepers, they stress they stress about and they fret over every little fucking thing. What they've got to remember is that in Indonesia or um, wherever these things are being caught, it does have temperature fluctuation. They do, they are submitted to a lot of stress every now and then. Temperatures aren't always perfect. Yeah. So there's got to be some variance. They've got to be able to deal with some variance. Um, that said, it is a fairly stable environment doesn't tend to move too much. The humidity is pretty stable day in, day out for a few months of the year at a time. The temperature is fairly stable for a few months of the year at a time. But keeping temperature and humidity stable in the enclosure is not fucking rocket science. Um, I think the other thing is too is that a lot of people have issues with um, the animals come in they stress them. The first thing they want to do is they want to get rid of the parasites rather than hydrating and rather than settling the animals. If you let the animals settle first and you let the animals get hydrated first, get them, uh, get their immune system working and functioning normally, normally and not at that high stress, stress level, then when you start to offer them a little bit of food and you start to offer them anti-parasite drugs and stuff like that, they're going to actually deal with it a hell of a lot better as opposed to just smashing them with an anti-parasite drug straight off the bat while they're still stressed as hell and dehydrated. It shuts down the kidneys and stuff some them. That's why they dropped it. So, I don't know. Your thoughts? I personally think that they are underrated as a species. However, the community of keepers that puts them on a pedestal makes them overrated. Does that make sense? I think what yeah. you're saying is that the keepers think that they're, they think that they're underrated. The keepers themselves think that they, should, that, they, that they are better than what they actually are. Right. Is that what you're suggesting? Yeah, I think the people that aren't really like myself, I'm not that big into conjures. I think they're really cool, but like I have no aspirations of really keeping them. But I think they're cooler than... A lot of other stuff out there however the guys that are like chondros are the best thing ever yeah you're you're wrong and you're ruining it because of that the elitism too kind of ruins it for me in that regard yeah but you talk about elitism fucking venomous keepers that Jesus is right that is very true <laughs> you're keeping your venomous animal in a box it doesn't mean you're a fucking hero yeah yeah and no? especially when most of the people that are putting that most of the elitist venomous they are, have no business being elitist because they have no technique per se they have no experience they have no extensive handling ability or field work they just spent some money and now they 
on Instagram? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, rehandling. Underrated. What's the next one? Go. Well, going back as far as Condros, I will have to agree that I think they are a little overrated, having kept them for a while. They are not exciting snakes. They are not anything mystical. Like there's guys like Phil was saying that you know people think they're like splitting the atom or something because they're yeah. keeping, you know, $5,000 condros or whatever and working, you know, have a collection that's worth more than their house and it's whatever. But in fairness, I, Dustin, they are fucking beautiful. They really are. I don't think anyone can suggest that they're not very pretty animals to look at. But, you know, hey, at the end of the day, it is what it is. They're eye candy. They're just boring eye candy. Well put. Yeah. Well put. Um, PVC enclosures. Scott? Um, I don't like PVC. I like HDPE. So we're just going to lump all plastic enclosures in together? Is that what we're referring to? Yeah. Yeah, well, we don't really use HDPE. Like, I have some rodent cages that are HDPE, so but I'll explain PVC the is much more standard. Oh, so I'll explain the difference, right? HDPE expends and contracts it. Um, a larger rate, but you cannot paint. You can paint a PVC cage, right? And, and the paint will hold on it. You yep. can't paint HDPE. It literally, nothing will stick to HDPE. Right? So if you want a cage that, if you were, someone was serious about making enclosures so that they were easy to service and easy to clean and all the rest of it, you do them out of HDPE because the shit literally wipes straight off in their design. It's the way the polymer works. Um, so HDPE enclosures, absolutely rate them. Got to do something funky with the doors though. So when you do the doors, you can't just use like normal, uh, sliding glass or anything like that. You need to set a, an aluminium frame into it, bolt the aluminium frame in and then set your door inside the aluminium frame. So the, the door doesn't warp or anything. Um, normal plastic enclosures, it's, they're better than timber. It's a, it's a, obviously it's better than a melon mine enclosure. Um, we can't really get PVC board at a reasonable price over here. Um, I think they're okay. Um, but no, I don't think they're just the, the next evolution, I suppose. But, you know, until they start doing rounded corners and, and stuff like that, then you're always going to have issues with, with crevices and that's, you've got the same thing in a timber enclosure. So mm -hmm. you, know, you think that if you're going to do specially made stuff, why not improve that? Well, that's my thought. Okay. Philip. I like that. Me, uh, me personally, I think that if you'd ask me about plastic enclosures with the exception of vision cages, 10 years ago, I would have poo-pooed it. You know, I would have, I would have been like, whatever, that's, that's dumb. Uh, I'm a vision junkie. Anybody who knows me knows I'm a vision cage junkie. Um, but they're ugly as sin. They're heavy. Um, and they're kind of a pain in the ass to clean. But they're completely one piece and they're escape proof. So when I start to see now uh, PVC enclosures that are stackable and are 
precision laser cut to the point where providing the person assembled them correctly, there is no chance of an escape. Yes, you still have the seams and you still have the gaps for, you know, bacteria and pathogens or whatever else and funkiness to get in there and, and be porous. But I think it's coming a long way, especially with the decor that we're seeing. So, like, I just bought an adhesive background for a vision cage that's custom fit to the back of the vision. And it is UV resistant and it, it adheres to the, to the plastic. And now I can have the ability to have some depth to my enclosure with a, with a scenic backdrop of sorts. And it's not just a plastic vinyl that goes behind the fish tank. Um, so with the advent of that and, and, and shelving and arboreal hides, I think it all kind of peels itself together. So 10 years ago, I would have been like PVC, whatever. But now, like, I mean, even the rack that Sean built me, I mean, we rant and rave about it, but the rack that Sean built me is so fit and perfectly snug for my Cambro tubs. And again, I'm using Cambro. I'm not using some, these are crystal clear plastic tubs. It gets it that much more. You know what I mean? And then you look at Brahms making PVC perches and stuff like that, that are, you know, machine wash safe and not porous and aren't harboring bacteria and, and are, you know, disassemblable to be reconfigured for uh, enrichment, if you will. I think the evolution is on a great path. But when it comes out of brass tacks, it's still a plastic box. Yeah. I don't know. See, I, I, I don't have any problems with PVC. I have a lot of it. Um, I think it's, I wouldn't necessarily say it was overrated. But now that we have like Focus Cube doing what they're doing, I think since they've, I mean, granted, they're not exactly reinventing the wheel by any means but they are doing things with pvc cages that i didn't think could be done so in that regard yeah. as far as design i think it's all underrated because now that they're doing what they're doing i think we're going to see some other companies like there's now going to be sort of a shift as far as that industry goes and people are going to start trying to make pvc cages and racks prettier and more aesthetically pleasing so for now, I say underrated, but that may change in the next couple of years when everyone starts trying to do something similar. So, Bert just texted me back. He said, <laughs> he said, and this is, I'm going to throw him under the bus right now. I'm going to throw you under the bus, sir. He says, me? Ah, yeah, had them on NPR chat this morning. <laughs> yeah, he did. He did. I'll put them on yeah, but that well. wasn't video. That wasn't. Yeah, he didn't that get video. True. That is true. And actually, on NPR chat, he had it before it had shed. You had it after it shed. So. Oh, I have to tell him that. We yeah. have it after it shed. Exclamation yeah. point. Yeah. So, all right. So, I'll do my over and under, and then I'm going to have to move because I've got a million things to fucking do. That's no all to do it. Um, I will I'll legitimately put it out there. Venomous keepers. Over? Overrated? Underrated? Uh, over. I say over. So far over. But hold on. In terms of difficulty, sorry, I've got to. Put it, up, it, it is. It is so not difficult to do. People overrate the difficulty and the expertise required to keep venomous snakes safely. I I say over just in the regard of it not being as extreme and like 
hardcore as people like YouTube seems to make it seem and TV, you know, it's not nearly as exciting as people make it out to be. The people in the limelight are overrated. The people that are genuinely part of it are underrated. Yes. Um, Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, sure. I suppose. I think I think there's some really good people out there that are very quiet. I think there's some really good people that are, are fairly loud as well, for, for lack of a better term. And, and, you know, that's some people are introverts, some people are extroverts, you know. And, um, you know, the, the extroverts are the ones that come out and go, hey, look, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation. Um, you can do things without having to be risky. You can do things without having to... Uh, Cause a cause a shit show and all the rest of it. I think the problem that I have with venomous keeping in the public eye to some point is the clickbaity type bullshit that, that yeah. we see, and that's what that's what the newbies get attracted to. In the and you know, I even hate the term newbie, but you know that's what people they go. Oh yeah, I just saw this this dickhead free handling a co- yeah. king cobra and. It ended up smoking him on the hand, and they do like four different cells and him getting smacked by a King Cobra at Crashfield's place. It's like, well, okay, you got bitten by a King Cobra. You could break it down and actually explain how you got a bite, but you don't need to make out like it was some big deal. You're getting it out to fuck with the snake, and you know, you fucked with the bull one too many times, and you've got the horns. You know, at the end of the day, it is what it is. You fucked up. Um, if you want to break it down and explain how you got a bite, and you don't want to do it with fanfare, and and say, hey, I fucked up, fine, great, more power to you. And you're going to get a whole heap of likes and a whole heap of subscriptions and shit like that. You don't need to be a wanker about it. Um, but, but it doesn't sell the same way that the danger and the craziness, that's what sells. Because 80% of the constituents don't give a shit about snakes. They just want to see someone get hurt. Oh, 100%. But the reality yeah. of it is it's more dangerous you crossing your fucking road out, out the front. Um, than it is than you guys getting um, opening up a venomous enclosure. Yeah. I tell my friends with motorcycles all the time. I was like, listen, you getting on the bike in South Florida is 10 times, whether you have a helmet or not, is 10 times more dangerous than me taking a Cobra out. And they're like, you're crazy, man. I was like, you know why I know that? Because I can walk away from the Cobra and not die. I would suggest that it is more dangerous just living in the States than it is working (laughs) with venomous snakes. These fuckers carry guns everywhere. People, every fucking second person's got a fucking gun. It's like, you know, and look, everybody gets angry. Yeah, yeah, it's glorious. Anyway, you know, it is what it is. I I still, it blows my mind that you guys, oh, yeah, I'm going to go herpet. Oh, yeah, I better take my nine mil. Like, what the fuck? Like, I don't understand that. I do not understand it at all. Well, I mean, in some parts, you got bears and you got like legitimate shit to worry about. It's not necessarily like getting robbed or anything like that. Yeah, because saltwater crocodiles aren't legitimate. They're not. Yeah, Iron also- Mill will take that out no problem. Yeah, you're also not shooting. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't yeah. worked with too many yeah. big salties, have you? But here's I, the- I think your nine mil is going to struggle with a salty. Yeah, I would like shooting it with a BB gun. I would 100 yeah. percent agree with that. Um, I can I can confidently say without sounding like a cocky arrogant fuck. I can confidently say that there is no animal in Florida that I'm legitimately afraid of. My protection is strictly human based because I am in the middle of South Florida meth heads. I'm in the middle. I'm at oftentimes in the middle of nowhere hours from any kind of assistance. 
and, and hours from any kind of law enforcement. So I'm on my own, you know, and the, and the family that I've got that I take in the Everglades to show them what the wilderness looks like. They're from out of town. They have no idea what's going on. So they're not going to be any help. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I suppose. suppose if you got it, you can use it, uh, you know, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'd rather seems... have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Touche. Uh, so anyway. hey, any more over-unders, Justin? Um, Bothrops. Fucking in what, gorgeous. In what regard? See, I, I can't. I love gorgeous in of, every way. Of being kept in the hobby. Underrated. In, I would say that they are I would say that they are overrated because I had a feeling you'd say that. As much as I love brown snakes, most South American stuff honestly doesn't do it for me. I don't know why. It's just me personally. Um, I've had terciopelos, I've had fertilants, I've had haracas, uh, the golden stuff, the lance, the 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 what is it? Uh, the lance-headed rattlesnakes. Um, I've had uracone rattlesnakes, which is probably one of my favorite rattlesnakes. I'll give you that. But the bothrops, bothriacus is awesome. But again, it just doesn't. Something just doesn't do it for me. I, I Urutus are stunning. Yeah, Urutus are awesome. He's not wrong. Mujinai. I mean, they are, of all of the snakes out there, they are the one snake that. Mujinai. You know, sorry. They're the only ones that. They're the only bothrops that I've actually seen in the flesh. And oh my fucking god, what a gorgeous animal! So I'm basing everything that I know about Bothrop off off your roots in the flesh, and they well, were amazing animals to look at. I don't know. I brought that up because I know, like, there is some sort of mysticism around them and how like chaotic they are in the hobby and in captivity, and you know, seeing P yeah, but- and Cody's and seeing them sort of work with them. Like, yeah, I can kind of understand. Like, it is an intimidating animal that really does not seem to have any problems. It's taking a swing, but they're not fun, man. Like yeah, they're... the same, the same time though, right? I'll, I'll, I'll quickly sort of say this before I got, I got to go. But the one thing is, it doesn't matter what species of animus it is. A bad keeper can make a manageable snake almost unmanageable by the way that they deal with it. That's so true. if you have a, de- if you have a decent keeper <laughs> that knows how to manage those animals properly. You will find that managing just about anything is reasonably simple as long as you follow the correct protocols and all the rest of it. If you have somebody that's twitchy and nervous and they stab at shit with a hook or they try and grab it with fucking bombs or whatever, you're going to turn an animal that was relatively easy to deal with into something like a fucking nightmare. Yeah. And you can ruin snakes. I've seen people ruin taipans and stuff like that. You don't have too many opportunities to to make a mistake with a taipan and, and break that taipan and make it so it wants to fucking kill anyone that opens that enclosure moving forward. Um, same thing with mambas, same thing with some some cobra, same thing with brown snakes. You get somebody that knows what they're doing with them. Generally speaking, they move with purpose and uh, they, they do it in a controlled manner. You'll tend to find that the animals respond really positively to that. Um and they're not difficult to deal with. And I think that's the problem with a lot of Bothrops is that people don't think that Bothrops are, are crazy. They get them and, hey, it's a bit worse than some of the other things they've dealt with. And so then they try to grab it with a pair of dolls. 
And then the next time that that snake has to deal with somebody, he's expecting to be grabbed with a set of tongs. And so that snake then, rightfully or wrongfully, is coming out fighting. 100% agree. And that also comes down to your expertise, your technique. You as an experienced handler and keeper, uh, you've learned that, maybe you were taught it or you learned it the hard way. There's a lot of guys that don't and gals that that don't ever acknowledge that or were never taught that or were never shown that or didn't didn't see that themselves. And, and then I suppose that's happening. And that's one, and that's actually one reason why I hate those fucking uh, those venom proof cages or whatever that that guy fucking always. Every time something venomous comes up and he talks about caging, he fucking plugs his business. I get him plugging his business. I'm I'm all okay for that, and I'm sure his cages are lovely, but. Having to have a lockbox for every venomous snake you keep, yep, that just means that you're not competent as a handler. You should be competent in moving that animal without having a lockbox and using that lockbox to assist in stress reduction for you and the you and the animal. It doesn't mean that you can't that you've got to be able to rely on that box. So, yep. yeah. I totally agree. Yeah, <laughs> right, guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I've got to keep moving. Merry yeah, Christmas, what I told you before. Then, thank you. Great, awesome, you love it. All right, see you guys. Have fun. Thanks so much. Alright, the next one's gonna upset you, Phil. I gotta be honest, I'm torn with the Bothrops. Like I wanna say I wanna say underrated. <clears throat> Excuse me, because there is a lot of beautiful species that we just talked about. Even me, like rattling off species in my mind, I was like, Yeah, I don't care about that, but it is really pretty, it is really cool. You know, and Cody and Pia have some amazing specimens. They really do. But it also comes down to their husbandry too. You know, their husbandry is fucking off the charts, you know? But, like, Henry and I just had a, a, a bunch of uh, uh, Aatrox come through. And all of them were very pleasant. They rode a hook really well. We didn't stress them out. You know, they all ate for us. We got babies, and one of them dropped a litter of babies. And, you know, the babies were nice. – they were babies, but they still – we wound up getting them all eaten, you know? And then they went to a guy uh, who really focuses on, on Bothrop stuff, and – you know, I'm sure they're doing well for him too. But like for me personally, I just had more bad experiences than good ones with them. So for me, it's like, eh, I really don't care. You know what I mean? Yeah. I would tell you right now, I'll have a chondro before I have Bothrops. Oh. Yeah. So what's this next one that's going to fire me up? Naya. Ah. So. Henry and I had an actual, I don't want to say it was a debate. It wasn't a debate. We weren't arguing or we weren't, we weren't playing devil's advocate. We, we genuinely were looking for different concepts of that. And it's, it's wrong. Naya is wrong. Naha is wrong. It's Naja. Naga could be a name, but it's Naja. And Henry, I know you're watching. Come in, brother. Overrated or underrated? The the genus itself? Yes. I say oh. over. Unless it's like sort of the lesser lesser kept, like capes and spectacles. Like monocles I feel like are pretty played out. Kings, sorry Henry, they're kinda of played out. Like Well, they're not Najer. Right. I'm just <laughs> saying like Okay, bitch. so Cobra so true Cobras so true. Cobras in general. So we'll, we'll hold them as true cobras or, or cobras in general. Um, I think that the allure is there because of the display. 
and as well as the folklore. Um, I think the folklore and, and, and it plays a very big key part in it. People know cobras because they are so iconic. Um, me personally, being an elapid guy who is transitioning to vipers, um, I feel like the experiences I had with my elapids, and I still have some, uh, are all wonderful. Um, I think they're way more intelligent than people give them credit for. Um, I think they also, they're not confrontational in the least capacity until you make them confrontational. And I will say that I think they are overrated by people that don't want them for everything I just described. The people that want a cobra because they want the hood and they want the showiness and they want the fact that they can say that they have a cobra, it's overrated. But the people that genuinely keep them and are enthusiastic about the, the genus and the different species and the husbandry aspects, I think they're super rewarding. Yes, they're poop machines, but so are Kribos and so are king snakes. So, like, you can't always go off of that. Um, so, yeah, I say that I'm going to say underrated in the husbandry field. Because I'm with, like, Henry, like, monocles. How many times do you see monocles and you just keep walking? Like, there's, like, they just well, dude, I mean, I completely for, lost their allure. I worked for J-Man. He had 23 adult breeder monocles that produced every year. I was up to my elbows in monocle cobras. You know, at one point during breeding season, when we were, like, cooling stuff down together, I would have, like, six adult monocles and a four-foot vision, like, just together, just chilling. Keep talking. I'm going to pee. Okay. And it was a pain in the ass, but at the same time, they're very manageable if you're taught how to manage them appropriately. And I do feel that because of particular species perpetually being in the limelight because of their display or because of their availability, it does kind of ruin it for a little bit. But if you're, if you're willing to take on the responsibility of having a faster moving lethal snake, I think that the, the juice is worth the squeeze, providing you learn how to juice that fruit appropriately. Just saying. Um, you know, Henry says that Siemensis are the best. I think that Siemensis are one of the best snakes that anyone can really keep in the venomous world. But they spit their venom. So that is an entirely different mantra of handling because now you have to be doubly aware of what's going on. Um, you know, Henry and I have had multiple different specimens of Siemensis over the years, and they were all super rewarding. They were chill and relaxed they always ate they always pooped breeding was a fucking cinch it was so easy we put them together the girl was like hey what's up and the guy's like oh my god a girl this is amazing and they just did it like it you know but at the same time that's because henry and i not just toot our own horn we know what we're doing we put the animal at ease very rarely would they hood up you know every once in a while they would just flare up a little bit you know, and then a lot of times they would bask and they open their hood so that they can get more surface area to bask and get warmth. And that's a beautiful, impressive sight. And then you get people that are jerks and they bang on the glass and they jiggle the locking mechanism and they piss them off and stress them out. And now the snake is stressed and they're seeing it as, oh, look at this cool display. Look how cool this is. Oh, it's a cobra and it stands up. And, oh, it's spit on the glass. That's 
contradicting everything that we've worked for. So I think they're very, very rewarding in that regard. They're obviously not for everyone because they spit their venom and they're lethal. But I think that Cobras as a whole are awesome. So, I don't know. Corn snakes. Corn snakes? Corn snakes currently right now, underrated. Agreed. Agreed. I feel like 20 years ago, they were overrated. No, I think 10 years ago they were overrated, and that's why everyone stopped breeding them. And now everyone's like, oh, my God, I want one, but I can't find one. Uh, call Joe Fallon. It's just interesting because, like, there was a point where I agree, like, they were super overrated, but now it almost seems like it's sort of leveled out. And the people that are, like, truly into them and, and breeding them are the ones that sort of made it through that that sort of recession, in a sense. And, uh, I don't I'll know. I mean, one. like, there's stuff like, like the locality stuff that I'm, I'm planning on doing. You know, like, that kind of stuff, I feel like that's that's the fun part of corns you know it's for me it's not the morphs and stuff it's can i build upon like native to my area corns mm-hmm. i'll give you one it may be on your list i don't know snapping turtles it is not on my list snapping turtles over or under which ones doesn't matter um, it well, I mean, alligator snappers are cool. I wish I had the space to dedicate to one because, I mean, that is a very long-term commitment. Have you ever had one? Like, I have not. Okay. I think having alligator snappers would be really cool. I've dealt with commons, like, at the Nature Center and stuff. We had one. It was fun and all, but I don't know. Commons, commons don't really excite me all that much. Maybe it's just because we see so many of them, but alligator snappers are awesome. So underrated, but at the same time, like not every that's not a that's not a turtle for for any everybody. You know, that's I agree. That's a lot of turtle. I would say that common snappers are underrated because common snappers, in my opinion, have way more personality. Than they do get- have a lot of personality. They do have that going for them. And they come out and they bask. They'll interact with other turtles. Like I feel like they're more, they're more of a cool pet, and that's because I've had both. Now, gator snappers—they're dinosaurs. They're right. incredibly impressive. Watching them hunt and lure with their tongue—just awesome. They're boring as hell. I can unless, see that. Unless you were like my friend Jay, who has a indoor pond where he has like wi-fi cameras set up and like live plants and fish and filtration systems and he has a a window access that's on a timer so that uv rays can get in so that they can penetrate the water surface and the animal can physically see uv light unless you have something set up like that it's very very overrated in my opinion i can see it you know, I there was a way to comp like combine the two where you had like the common snappers that looked like alligator snapping turtles, but still yes. had the personality yes. and the activity. Yes. Like that would be awesome. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. But if I had to yeah, choose between the two, I'd go with alligators. No, I didn't know this. Um, but again, my friend Jay, he's been doing all this. Uh, he's been doing research um, uh, with another guy who's a gator snapper guy. 
And apparently, and somebody please correct me if I'm wrong, but apparently gator snappers are not standing water turtles. And that's why you never find them in ponds. And that's because they very, very rarely come out of the water. They, they don't leave a water access and go to another. They live in the creeks and streams mm-hmm. and they traverse up and down the creeks and streams. So I think that in itself is very, very interesting. The same way that I find hellbenders very, very interesting. But like, I would never keep a hellbender because I think it's, I think, first of all, for ignore the whole size thing. I think they're super boring. They're cool. You they're know, cool on, but, on paper they're cool but um exactly. kind of with you it's like exactly yeah i'll All take right, some marbled cool. salamanders though but what's your opinion on cobras um like i said if it's like capes and the stuff that people don't seem to focus on too much like monocles i see monocles at a table at a show and i'm like mm. kings it's like every uh, kings i in my opinion, almost seem like they're at like sort of the Bowellans, their Bowlands status, you know, where it's like everybody wants one. Like that's like their dream snake. And I'm like, why? Like just because they get big? Like, and it doesn't seem like incentive to me. But then you have guys like Henry who talk about them and, you know, attest to their intelligence and the other stuff they're doing. And it's like, okay, I can understand it from that point. But at the same time, it's like, I don't know. There's just, they, they get overhyped is probably the better yeah i'll give you that for it i'll give you that and like, uh, and people the don't next one is super huh? what'd you say no say what you're gonna finish your sentence i'm sorry i was moving on to the next one but oh, yeah. I was gonna say is, people don't realize how many different species of cobra there are and how many different phenotypes and regional localities there are and you know, going back to the CMNs, we all see the black and whites because they're cool. They're black and white. Mm-hmm. We talk about how black and white animals are just awesome. There's like six or seven different phenotypes of nausea CMNs, and they're all the same species, but they look totally different. Different shades of tan and yellow and gold and jet black ones. And, you know, we used to have ones that were bone white with a black stripe down their back. You know, Billy Hunt would have loved that. And, People don't realize that they're all the same snake. They all have the same personality for the most part. Mm-hmm. They do have there. There is other versions of that that we just don't see. So you know, there's so many species that aren't kept in the hobby because they can't be exported, and no one's taking the time to work with them. See, but then there's also you know, like Cody has that that Ethiopian that's just absolutely nuts. Yeah, and watching watching that thing, you know, when they have to pull that out and clean, it's it's entertaining to watch that thing just get as like huffy and puffy as it does yeah because it's just like that's i don't know you see it with monocles and you're like yeah it's a monocle you see it with like red spitters it's like oh it's a red spitter but i don't know like just sort of the more obscure species that don't never i mean even never really got the attention that monocles and uh you know some of the other stuff did it's yeah i'm waiting for cody to produce a female because i've been waiting for i have an ethiopian and i've been waiting for like five years to find a female and no one wants to sell me one. So Thomas says, anyone keeping Caspian Cobras? So it's funny you mentioned that. I had a friend named Andy who uh, did a lot of Venom production. Um, and he's, he's still working in the Venom field and stuff. He doesn't do as much production stuff as he was. 
but him and a couple other guys in Florida were breeding uh, Oxiana. It's Naja Oxiana, the Russian Cobra, Caspian Cobra. They're one of my favorite Cobras. When they are born, they are breathtakingly beautiful. And as they get older, they just get uglier and uglier. But they're an Asiatic species of non-spitting cobra that stands majestic and royal like a king cobra and has very, very similar intelligence. They're not as smart as kings. Most snakes aren't as smart as kings. But the, the, the gears are turning on them. <clears throat> and at the same time, the venom is incredibly toxic, way more toxic than any other species of animal in the whole region. And that's what they're studying because something that is that toxic and affects that many things inside the body, science wants to know how that works so they can use it to, to, to counteract other things. So there's a ton of research being done with Oxiana venom, but not a lot of people are keeping them. I was trying to get a pair and no one wanted to sell me them because they're like, no, I have to keep making more so we can milk them and study it. So, and yes, Henry, Sagittifera are red hot. But we'll never see them because they're protected and that's poopy. So your next one, Justin. Sorry. Super super dwarf retics. Super dwarf retics. Super dwarf retics. Fifteen years ago, underrated. Super dwarf retics now overrated. Ryan Cox, join in. He's in. I bet you he's in here somewhere. But <clears throat> I know. The reason I like. Yeah. Uh, so Carpets and Coffee on the NPR network happened this morning and Garrett Hartle was on there and they were talking about Super Dwarfs and he sort of was explaining sort of the current state of the Super Dwarf market. Um, and I mean, after here, I mean, I I kind of had very little interest in them to begin with, but I would have to agree that like overrated, just like Jeff and Kendra are saying. Um, and that's just for the fact that like actually legit pure super dwarfs seem to be a very small percentage of the super dwarf market. And I could be completely wrong. I don't pay attention to it, but from what I understand, there's way more crosses with like larger mainland types and some of the morphs than there are like pure super dwarfs like that are legit, legitimate dwarfs that don't get huge. And that's what everybody wants. But like people settle for like these percentages that are, you know, whatever and i mean i almost got a, a a cross from cox not that long ago but i ended up not because i just just i don't have the space um, yeah but i think they're yeah they're at that point where they are overrated like people want a retic the size of a carpet right when like riley made the point of if you want that just get a carpet like right. you can't have the best of both worlds it like it doesn't i mean it exists but it doesn't exist in large quantities and at the right price that people want it to yeah, you know, like you can't have a retic and it stay that small. Yeah, I can put a baby elephant in my closet, but it's still a baby elephant. So overrated. And, my... and I'll chime in with this too: is it? It also not only is it locality specific in your genetics; it's also individual specimen specific. Because I, I mean, I'm on the blacklist now, so I'm fucked, but. At one point, I had a, a tiger jampea. So that's a tiger normal, meaning large, to a jamp. And my animal was six years old, and it was right around six feet long, 
and probably as thick as like a, uh, an obese king snake, if that makes any sense. And that that right there, that that's a dwarf, man. Mm-hmm. It was six years old. It was only like six foot. That's a dwarf, and I I fed it normal. Now I have another friend who bred purebred champeas, you know, and his male was like fourteen foot. So, and this is a guy that legitimately knew the yeah. exporter in Indonesia who says, yes, this is from this island. <laughs> so, who knows? <clears throat> and I mean, Garrett even said it himself. Like, a lot of it is marketing bullshit. You know? Sure. Of course. Like, put Superdorf in something and all of a sudden people are like, oh, yeah, I want it. Yeah, it's like those teacup poodles that want to eat 30 pounds. Come on. Right. Yeah. Like, you want that, get a cat. Exactly. Get a hamster. Um, commercial, commercial pinners. Oof. Commercial pinners. Um. With the little rubber tube, like surgical yeah, tubing. Yeah. You know um, what I'm talking about. Mine's two parts. Can I give you? Can I give two parts? Is it allowed? Sure. Okay. Part A. Commercial pinners are extremely overrated. They do not work the way they are intended. And when they do, you have microseconds to act before the animal is evaded that scenario. I don't like pinners. I've never used them. Um, I think they're way more dangerous than some of the other techniques. Um, I'm not a pinning guy. I'm not a fan of it. Um, I prefer, if I do have to, for lack of a better word, lack of a better synonym, pin something, I prefer to use a tube and work the animal up the tube on a level flat surface and then approach the animal from there, whether it be with the back of a hook or my hand and get it while it's restraining the tube. That's my personal preference, but I don't pin anything ever. It's gotta be something really, really bad medically for me to do pinning of anything. Um, Now, what I have become enamored with are the Australian pinners that is a circular disc or a crescent moon disc of acrylic on a broom handle. And that thing is awesome. I really, really want to have one made, but nobody makes them in the States. So that right that there. hard to make yourself, under. right? Yeah, I'm just not handy. No. So, Talk but yeah, I would talk that, about it. Yeah. Yeah. I might, I might. Actually, uh, you know, with the the with his the drawer puller or whatever we're really calling it, dude, I use that thing so much now, and I dogged it and I made fun of it, and it is one of the it's one of the most highly used <laughs> tools in my entire room. And like, I I want to make more variations of it, and I, I sent Woodcock a couple of different things in terms of different shapes and different materials, um, and then I, I even talked to him about a target training system. Well, I don't want to go too far into it because I don't know if we're going to make it or not. But basically, you know, the use of that drawer puller in a shepherd's crook style of directing the animal, uh, you know, making contact with the animal, different parts of its body to steer it like a rudder on a boat um, and then actually using it as a hook. If need be, you could I can use it to gain to gain leverage and have to, and I could use it as a impromptu double hook if need be. So. Yeah. Word. Word. 
What do you got? Uh, that's it. That's it. That was a good step for this week. I Are we gonna do that every week? I don't know. I, if if I think of them in between episodes, sure. Okay. That was just some stuff off the top of my head. I was like, these are things that are debatable. We'll think more. But we're almost at three hours. Uh, this was episode 57. Yeah. And it was brought to you by Puget Sound Pythons. They just hatched out some balls that look pretty sweet, if I do say yeah. so myself. Yeah, they do. They look great. Not even a ball guy, but I liked them. Yeah, they look real good. So, maybe <clears throat> we'll, I don't, Thursday, obviously, we're not recording because yeah. it's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Um. So, I don't know. We may fit in one more show before the end of the year. Next week, maybe. When is New Year's? I don't know. I have to look at a calendar. Okay. I don't know. I say we do. We should have the New Year's episode because we're not having a Christmas one. We should have the New Year's episode. Right. All right. We'll figure well, it thank out. You all who, thank we'll you all who happen, joined. But... And I'm glad you enjoyed our technical difficulties at the beginning. Yeah. Absolutely. Dark. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Thanks, guys, we'll for driving you in. Talk to you. Bye. Later.